Hello, everybody, and welcome to Game List, a show about our Game of the Year list, one month at a time. I'm Jake. This is Colin. Colin, how's it going? It's going great, man. I'm Could ready have... to talk about video games. You think we should have intro music? If you're hearing intro music right now, spoiler alert for how this conversation goes. What do you think? Um, yes, we kind of have intro music on the audio version. That is also true, but not on the video version. I mean, it's the same yeah. music every time. I was thinking video game music and we could just change up what it is and maybe try to have it be like in conjunction with what we talk about. But mm -hmm. it's a tough call. If you're watching the video version, we have a little animation now, opening graphic, which is pretty sweet. See, there's little bonuses. If you're listening to the audio, you might get a little bit here or there. If you're looking at the video, yeah. you might get a little here or there. You never know. That's why you need to be subscribed on all platforms. Twitch, YouTube, Twitter, podcast feed, uh, Instagram. You name it, we're there. Feet yeah, stuff um, all over the actually, place. <laughs> you mentioning the, the intro music, like I... I do change the intro music for our spoil lists when we do that's that. That's true. I will put the game of choice music. Yeah, that's a nice touch. Spoil list, which uh, we have one of, Outer Wilds, which, spoiler alert, we're going to talk mm -hmm. a little tiny bit about Outer Wilds because we're recording this on September 15th, the release date of Outer Wilds on PS5 and Xbox Series S and X. Yeah. Pretty cool. This is your last yeah. opportunity. If you're going to play that right now, when you finish it, listen to our spoil list. It's fucking awesome. I'm proud of that conversation. And we got another one coming up soon, too. We're doing uh, Final yes. Fantasy VII. We got a lot to talk about today. So first of all, we are unhinged already, but we have okay. a mega-sized episode of Game List. We're probably going to be here for three hours talking about video games, and we're going to just kind of go off the rails, I think. My my dog said, oh, you guys are starting to record. I'm going to get all up in your business and knock your desk around and shake That's your camera. Away. And turn That's your what he chair. does. That's uh, what he does. So it's too cute to get mad at, though. The last things that we should talk about is we just plugged all of those social networks and didn't give our tag. It's yeah. at Game List Show, obviously, mm -hmm. is where to find us. Mm -hmm. um, but let's do a little bit of table setting right now for what this episode is going to look like. We have massive updates for our Game of the Year list, each of us. We've both played things that have made our list, and there's some stuff that we are super passionate about. So we'll get to what we Very. usually play. And there's also been an onslaught of gaming news and events that we're recapping. Uh, we did reactions to a couple things, both on our personal and on the Gameless page. For Gameless, we reacted to the PlayStation State of Play and the Ubisoft Forward event. We'll recap those here today. Since then, there has also been the Disney and Marvel Game Showcase. There has been the Nintendo Direct, which was massive. We're going to dig into that in a very, very big way. Um... Among other regular gaming news that's happened as well, uh, Embracer Group has picked up a ton of fucking things. Activision and Microsoft are fighting with Sony. Um, too much to even name. Gamescom opening night live happened. I feel like the best way to do this episode, you typically structure things in the way that we go like, hey, what you been playing is what I ask. And I want to just kind of go crazy. We have like 65 slides worth of topics that we want to cover today. So let me just ask you what you're most excited to talk about today. Um, Anything. It's, it's probably a mix between the Assassin's Creed news okay. and Destiny 2. Okay, well, I'm nixing Destiny 2. You can save um, that for mid-show. That's not how we it, open this thing up. But okay. you can tell the people. It's, you've been hooked, right? 
yeah I'm, I'm hooked and we'll talk more later and he'll have to cut me off because i won't stop talking probably that i will um but yeah probably probably the assassin's creed news I'm is cool. my favorite i'm cool talking about assassin's creed as long as after that you're cool about just jumping straight into the nintendo direct because i'm really excited about a lot of the stuff that happened there as well so let's just jump yeah. into the ubisoft forward that took place so the fastest way to do this is Ubisoft Forward showed off a lot of things that were not Assassin's Creed based. So they jumped in and they opened the show with Mario Rabbit Sparks of Hope, which not much for new information there. They showed off yeah. a boss fight with Wiggler, which looked really slick. And they also uh, announced their DLC pack, which is to me a little bit underwhelming. You remember what the DLC pack was? It was Rayman, right? Rayman. So they did this with the yeah. original Mario and Rabbids, where they had a substantial DLC with an additional character last time. It was Donkey Kong last time around, which is a pretty hot ticket. I'm not sure if Rayman hits those highs, but it is kind of cool to see things come full circle with Rayman because he was the original. He's he's how the Rabbids exist in the first place. So nice to see Wait, them. really? Yeah. The original... Rabbids introduction was for the Wii. It was Rayman Raving Rabbids. And they were like this new wacky character that were kind of like, I think inspired by the popularity of minions at the time. Where they were like, minions are popular. People love Despicable Me. Let's have a little wacky mascot okay. thing jump into the Rayman world. And then since then, the Raving Rabbids kind of became their own popular thing and spun off from Mario, uh, from Rayman. Interesting. I feel like mm -hmm. remembering when I was a kid um, around like the Wii time, there was like some sort of like Disney like TV show or something that was a Rabbids show. And mm -hmm. that's the first time I ever saw the Rabbids. I could be just dreaming this up because it was it's so possible. long ago. I don't um, know. But yeah, I, I didn't know what the origin of Rabbids were. Yeah, Rayman Raving Rabbids 1 and 2 for Wii. They were like party games uh, somewhere between like a we play and like mario party like not games weren't as complex as we play but they were more complex than like a mario party minigame popular stuff but outside of that they did a lot of announcements and updates on their existing games like riders republic and the division 2 they announced uh the division heartland you care anything about that uh not particularly <laughs> i really like division 2 but this doesn't this feels like i don't know not like it's like a half sequel right it, yeah. it's it, the messaging on it is weird. I initially thought it was a mobile it's game. It's a it's a free to play spin-off basically of the division. Yeah. So they're sort of rebranding a little bit. It's a standalone game. It's not a battle royale, although it maybe will include a battle royale option. It all kind of remains to be seen. There was gameplay shown. It didn't look all that interesting to either of us. We are kind of focused on what we like around here, so we're not going to spend too much yeah. time on the division. After they got um, through, yeah. How just how long do you think it's going to be until people quit including battle royales and everything? A long time. Okay. A long time. Yeah. That sucks. Yeah. When Fortnite's not popular anymore, maybe, but as of right now, it's still, when it's not there, people clamor for it. And when it's there, people yeah. fucking shrug it off. It's like with Halo. They should have spent this time developing the main game. Yeah. Whatever whatever yeah. we'll get to halo later in the show they've been fucking screwing the pooch ah. left and right too um but after ubisoft they did like 45 minutes or so on their existing games and all the stuff that's on their like slate that's coming up and then they jumped into a show within a show which was the assassin's creed showcase and yeah. honestly i think it kind of delivered 
Talk to me yeah. about Assassin's Creed Mirage, my friend. Yeah, so Assassin's Creed Mirage, uh, the main protagonist uh, is actually a character from Valhalla. Uh, this game is set about 20 years before Valhalla, and you'll be playing as Basim, or Basim, um, however you want to pronounce it. Um, so you are going to be in, oh, Baghdad. Baghdad's the city, right? Baghdad's so. the city. Yeah, Baghdad. Um, and it's going to be more of a return to form for Assassin's Creed. It's going to be social stealth, dense cities, uh, one-hit assassinations, you know, popping your hidden blades out in crowds and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's a very exciting game because the last game that we got in that vein was Syndicate, and that was forever ago. Um, but Mirage is actually, it's, it's not a full-price game. It's a $50 game. Um, I was surprised to see that. It seemed like it was being pitched yeah. as full price, and it does appeal to me more, to be honest. Yeah, because it was originally going to be a DLC for Valhalla, and then it just kind of spun out and became more than, you know, like a lot of things do now. They, they, they become larger than they were originally planned for, yeah. and they sell them as their own game. Um, I'm excited for this. I will absolutely be playing this and getting the platinum on it, as I do all the Assassin's Creed games. It so. looks good. My biggest problem with Assassin's Creed has been I've enjoyed the time that I spent with the last two of them i guess valhalla and odyssey but yeah. both of them i burnt out on like 30 hours in i mean i probably put in yeah. 40 hours to odyssey and 20 hours into valhalla and i barely scratched the surface of those games mm -hmm. because i just kind of couldn't stick with them if this game is telling me that it's going to be of the same quality but a more absorbable piece of media i'm extremely yeah. interested and it does look like assassin's creed returning to its roots it looks i don't know i if when I look at this game, I think like Assassin's Creed One, mm, as far yeah, as like the aesthetic goes, it, it looks I get super heavy, traditional. Yeah, I get heavy Revelations vibes from mm -hmm. this, um, yep. just because he was in Constantinople and Revelations and whatnot. Uh, but I, I'm I'm very excited about it. Uh, and like Valhalla, Valhalla is probably a low point in the series for me. Um, sure. I put a hundred hours into that game, and by by like the thirtieth, it was just very boring. Yeah, because um, you're just doing the same thing over and over again. But I, I have faith. I'm excited. I, I will always, I'll always buy Assassin's Creeds. Um, sure. So well, and it's also good that they're not doing like <laughs> annual releases anymore. I got bad news for somebody that will continue to buy all the Assassin's Creeds because they did not stop announcing Assassin's Creed. That's for sure. Yeah. Um. They went from oh, worth noting that not annual indeed because this game is not making it for 2022 which was surprising yeah. as fuck to me um well and thought, uh valhalla was 2020 yeah they've wow. already had a year off yeah pretty crazy um but that didn't stop them from announcing the future of assassin's creed there were a couple things that they brought up but i think most notably and yeah. the, the thing that had the most substance to it was probably assassin's creed codename red what did you see yeah, I saw um, a game that I've already played called Ghost of Tsushima. A lot um, of people saying that, yeah. And, you know, I'm excited. I'm going to buy it. Um, mm -hmm. People have been wanting this game for as long as I can remember playing Assassin's Creed. Uh, so I'm totally into it. But I, I think you're going to notice, like, a theme. There's actually quite a bit of games that are, like, Feudal Japan-based. Yeah, um, we're going to talk about a couple of them today. Yeah, so uh, I'm into it. I don't know if the market's getting a little saturated on feudal Japan. Sure. Um, but I, 
I mean, really, all we have is like a two-second trailer. Yeah. But I'm excited for impressive. it. But, uh, but it's also the start of Assassin's Creed Infinity. Is that correct? Infinity. Yes, yeah. it is. So that is like the new upcoming hub for all things Assassin's Creed. They want to make a platform where you have a, a single entry point for all the Assassin's Creed games that come out. So after Mirage yeah. comes out, it'll, it'll be the last standalone Assassin's Creed game. Everything else will take place in that, I guess, shared universe. Uh, how do you see Assassin's Creed Infinity playing out? I see them putting three games on Assassin's Creed Infinity and then abandoning it because it's not <laughs> doing well. You think well. so? Yeah, something like That's that. That's a hot because... take from an Assassin's Creed fan. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, if they have it all on a platform, I'm not entirely sure how physical sales will work with that. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I guess you could sell... I don't know. I don't know. I, and, and we really, it's very uh, its very blurry messaging on what the platform is going to be right now. So yeah. Pretty much all I yeah. can think of is it's going to be a launcher with... Uh, it's going to be a game that's also a launcher for other games. Yep. Um, yeah, that's that's the so gist I, that I'm know. getting as well. Interesting to announce it this way. The thing is, it's been rumored for a long time. They've talked about yeah. it already. They gave a bunch of. That'll be another theme today: is announcing their announcing games before they have fucking titles. Nobody's excited yeah. to talk about Assassin's Creed Codename Red. Oh yeah, my most yeah. anticipated name game is Codename Red. Just so give it a stupid. name. Project How Scorpio. Hard is it? <laughs> I know. I but, mean. It wasn't the only game to get a code name. In fact, it was just one of three. The second one is one also three. an Assassin's Creed uh, Infinity title. What is is it? Hex um, or Hexy? Hexe? Hexe? Sure. Uh, Hexe. This is my favorite one. Actually, this is the one I'm most excited about. Um, it's also the so, one they showed the least of. Also, the yeah. Also, the one they showed the least of. Um, so you can actually see in the picture on the on the video version right now if you're watching. Um, there are like runes, um, mm -hmm. and there's like a, um, uh, I don't want to say like satanic emblem, um, but it's like a occult emblem. I think that's the best word to use is occult. Um, and people have decoded those, those emblems, like those symbols on there. And pretty much we have figured out that it's going to take place in, uh, like Germany in like the 600s, I think, while they were doing their witch trials. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, so one of those words in a circle around that uh, that emblem is uh, Mephisto. Um, so it's going to be dealing with like, I'm guessing like occult deities and whatnot uh, that will take place as like the Iso, Isu gods and whatnot. Yeah. Um, so this is supposed to be like a very different tone of game so i hope it's kind of like scary and dark it's wild that they are basically the feedback was like we want traditional assassin's creed and then they said all right here's mirage but also the next two are going to be fucking bonkers um yeah because they're you know not traditional assassin's creeds whatsoever um mm -hmm. but i think exciting it's it, cool to see them try something new something a little bit different uh you thought we were done with our code names but I assure you, we are not. There was one last Assassin's Creed codename, codename Jade. Now, this is a mobile game, right? Correct. We can be um, brief. It, it is a, it's a, yeah. Uh, I'm not super excited for this one. China, though, right? China, yeah, China. Um, I'm not super excited about this one. It's a mobile game, and it's yeah. like, 
it looked big open world like mm-hmm. odyssey open world from the the trailer um i don't i don't know i don't know if it's free to play they didn't say did they no they didn't actually i would imagine it's gonna have to be free to play with some sort of monetization within yeah because it's a tough so you can't Um, really sell that game for like 25 bucks and just expect a bunch of people yeah yeah and and i bet what's gonna happen is there was if you remember assassin's creed liberation that was a psp game yeah ps vita game um and that's right it came out alongside assassin's creed 3 i think yeah yeah it didn't do very well and then they were like you know what we're just gonna port it to consoles that's right and it was lacking quite a bit i've played it and platinumed it of course um but i kind of see this happening to jade is it kind of failing on launch and then them porting it over to console one day yeah not unreasonable Mm -hmm. not unreasonable thoughts overall how do you rank that uh that assassin's creed um the assassin's I'd give creed it like a solid whatever. that's uh, like a solid eight like that's the most assassin's creed news we've ever gotten at one time because normally they just announce them one year at a time um i remember the valhalla reveal was the most boring reveal ever it was like an eight hour stream of boss logic drawing a picture or like that's using right. photoshop <laughs> And I watched that entire stream and I was like, oh my God, what's it going to be? And I was like, oh, it's Vikings. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. It's Vikings. And then another four hours later, they like pasted in Valhalla. It's like, okay. Yeah. That was, that's the worst reveal ever. Um, But yeah, I'm very excited. Fairly, fairly, I don't know. I think it was impressive how much they were willing to share. I think that it is another classic, um, for a long time people are going to be hungry for information on these and they're yeah. not going to have anything new to share so we're going to be talking about this stupid code name whatever for the next god mm-hmm. knows how long to the point of us being really sick about talking about it until it comes out or they show something substantial so i don't know there's it's nice to get yeah. that instant gratification but by the time we are actually playing assassin's creed hexa i'm going to be like this fucking game from 2022 finally ready yeah. to show its face in 2025 here we go yeah i would almost guarantee i will be graduated from pharmacy school before we see red or hexa yeah that's perfect you can buy it for me no, I'm just kidding. yeah yeah i got it for you bro <laughs> hey you still owe me five bucks from that uh that bet on, that on stream that is true um all right so assassin's creed is what you were most excited about you can guess what i was most excited about nintendo direct season baby so i think it's really interesting to talk about the announcement of the direct which happened 24 hours before it was actually taking place which was earlier this week in mid-september here and on the heels of it sony said but hey wait us too we got a state of play and they announced one like four hours later for six hours later the next day so all of a sudden it turned into like e3 in september all the big companies started showcasing stuff but let me tell you nintendo came to play and if you ask me they've got the most impressive showing but they're the only ones that really did like a whole flagship yeah look at what they we did have like a show. full show yes they did and most notably i can finally say on game list instead of comparing things to the sequel to wait 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 wait, wait, Zelda, wait, wait, wait you can't say the name you can't say the name no that's an old bet we're already there no the queen 
Oh, that's okay. It wasn't aired in the UK. This is new for our UK followers. We're we're breaking Sorry, the news. Sorry, guys. You'll get your direct next week, but The Legend <laughs> of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, the sequel to The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, has been officially revealed with with a release date. It's coming May 12th of 23, which I think I think we were expecting to see this game in some form. I think we were probably expecting a title because we've expected a title for the last year and a half on this game. We got the title and they went one further and said, this is when you can get it. What do you think? Does it make it for the, the May release date? Mm, yes. It, it makes yeah, it. I think so. It makes unless it. Another, unless another great monarch dies or during May and don't they delay it soon. because we don't like know. deaths. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> Okay. No. It's literally... So funny. I mean, it's sad, but it's also funny that the yeah. reason they did not show this in the UK is because it's named Tears of the Kingdom because the queen just died. Like that what are the chances, man? Yeah, it is I, unfortunate timing, that's for sure. Um but the trailer was a uh, pretty nice, a short short trailer. Could have been longer. But yeah. nonetheless, uh, cool to see Zelda in action. Cool to get that title reveal. Nice to not have to call it the sequel to Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Great to have a release date. Obviously, if you're looking for a deep dive on this, go find a YouTuber with no life who can take a one and a half minute trailer and turn it into a three hour discussion. That's not us. Game look good. Game look cool. We excite. That's you know, the game list extent of things. I'm going to say it on game list. So I can have it on the record, me saying this, mm -hmm. so people have something to hate me for. Uh, if Breath of the Wild was published by Ubisoft, if it said a Ubisoft original above The Legend of Zelda, it would get eights, bro. Like I like The Legend of Zelda; it's a good game. I like Breath of the Wild. All right, ladies and gentlemen, and that does it for this week's episode of Game. I, <laughs> I don't think it's the best game ever made. People, people blow Nintendo games out of the water. I get it. Um, I get it. I think it is really, really good. I think if it was a Ubisoft original, people would say 9.5 out of 10, and it's the best Ubisoft game that's ever come out. Nah. I know that probably makes you feel so. bad, but I think I think it is. Uh, I think it's special. I think it does a lot of stuff right, and I think that this sequel is likely poised. I think that it'll suffer a bit but also benefit from the same thing. I think that people will say, well, it's just more of the same, which it will be. It's going to have a lot of that same DNA of Breath of the Wild, and there has been five or six years in between the two games. So it's going to feel, it's going to have that tiny like tinge of, we've kind of seen this thing before, but I think what they're hinting at is the seven emblems at the very beginning of this. It looks like we're going to get seven actual Zelda dungeons, which will be a nice addition to the existing like shrine gameplay of uh, Breath of the Wild. I think there will be enough new for this to be arguably the perfect video game. <laughs> well, I, really and you think, know, I really think it's going to hit. You've said it's been, what, seven years? Six, five I think, years? I think it'll end up being six years from um, day and date. I just want to see how they manage to make that five-year gap like feel like something has evolved. You know? Yeah. I think we're going like, to see it. I hope so. Um, but I'll the play coolest, it. The coolest thing that we saw in like Zelda was, like, and this is something that like the Ubisoft games don't have, what it, that game did was it created like a sandbox 
of ways to solve interactions, whether that was like a puzzle that was laid out in front of you via a shrine or a battle with seven different enemies in the environment in front of you. They gave you all of these tools that were not only your equipment, but ways to alter the environment and time around you. And I think that they're gonna go to the nines with that, whether it's through traversal or for new like effects or abilities that you get. It looks like they're playing with time. They're obviously playing with altitude. I think that there's going to be some gaming moments and some gaming mechanics in this game that uh, are still ready to blow some minds. And I think it's uh, foolish to doubt. That's okay, one, one question and we'll mm -hmm. wrap it up on Tears of the Kingdom. Is Link going to get Samus at the very beginning where he loses all of his powers that he gained from the previous game? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I think... Uh, I think so. I think well. despite it being a sequel, you know, you got to think of it from, like, the perspective of, like, the first one came out and kids were seven years old. Those kids are now 13, 14 years old, which is, like, prime Zelda playing age. They didn't have that first game. You can't assume that everybody has played the first one, so you can't just start them out like you're halfway through, like, a video game or anything like that. you got to have that reset, and, you know, it's, like, it's a classic. I mean, God of War 2, the same thing happens. Like, you spawn, and you have, like, your first mission where you have all your abilities, and then by the end of that boss fight, they're all taken away from you, and you have to start fresh. Standard video game trope, and you have to do it in some way just to give people the tutorial that they deserve so that they can yeah. break their way into the game. So I think in some fashion, yeah, that'll likely happen. Um, I agree. Moving on in the Direct, the Direct actually didn't open. It closed with Zelda, but it's obviously the big title. For me, I think the most hype that I got was actually for Fire Emblem Engage. Are you a Fire Emblem dude? I'm a Fire Emblem Three Houses dude. I've never played any of the others. I'm a Fire Emblem dude. So I'm a Fire Emblem guy from way back the first fire emblem that i played was on game boy advance when i was a kid and it was just called fire emblem now it was just the first one that made it from japan over to the u.s so i think it's like technically fire emblem like blazing blade or something like that it's like the fifth or sixth one that came out in japan yeah. um but it was the first one that i played and then i played the sacred stones which was the sequel to that i played the ds ones that came out i played the wii and the gamecube ones fire emblem path of radiance I play Fire Emblem to different extents all the time. I've probably beat three or four of them. I crushed at least two of the stories in Three Houses, and I adored it. And I really liked the changes for Three Houses. Some of the things that they did with like the third-person stuff in the castle and the relationship building added yep. to the gameplay loop in a really, really big way. I loved having that calendar. And yep. Fire Emblem Engage looks like it's firing on all cylinders and bringing back a lot of the stuff that we liked from not only that game, but from a lot of other games, including some fan-favorite characters. Yes, Marth. Um, why did you like Three Houses? Uh, well, it was my first, like, uh, turn-based action strategy. Is that the genre that it's in, I guess? Um, yeah, a turn-based strategy I, game. Yeah, um, it was... I, I loved it. It was. It's probably my favorite game on Switch, um, and I really enjoyed like the management sim part of it with your classroom and yeah. like building relationships with people. Um, I I adored that game, um, and I'm I'm just curious how those how that management and relationship building aspect is going to carry over into this game. 
Um, yeah. Do you think it's called engaged because you're going to get to marry somebody? Yeah. I, hope I mean, so. I don't think that's why it's called engaged, but we'll you're definitely going to be able to marry Time will somebody. tell. Fire well, Emblem engaged. Marth and uh, Pepsi Boy literally yelled, engaged uh, I in love the Pepsi, trailer. Man. Do you like uh, the design of this main character? It's divisive. No. People love it. People hate no. it. I love it. I love it. I don't but like maybe it Maybe that's because I like toothpaste. I gathered some names I from the don't. internet of what people have been calling him. Pepsi hair, Aquafresh protagonist, Colgate-chan, Toothpaste-kun, Joy-Con head. They're all pretty good. People are ragging on his hairstyle. I rather like it. Yeah. There's also, you can do a male or female protagonist, and the female's hair yeah. is wild, too, because it's super long, and there's, like, even more differential in the red and blue. It is it is abrasive, to say the least. But I will probably play as the female. I, I did see somebody did, like, a mock-up of <laughs> how the hair would look depending on the color of your Joy-Con, oh, and cool. I really liked it. Yeah, yeah, it would be really cool if it changed because on your Joy Cons, because I've got the white ones for the OLED, um, yep. and it would actually make his hair look somewhat tolerable. Yeah, I get um, that. I think yeah. um, I think the game is pretty cool, and I think it's doing some pretty unique things for the series. It's got some sort of team up thing, which we'll talk a little bit about Xenoblade. We're going to talk a lot about Xenoblade Chronicles 3, and this is kind of a concept lifted directly from that where you can have two characters team up and make like a mega unit, uh, which I think is a cool gameplay element to include. And it looks like there's some sort of, they have some scenes where you're actually in the, um, I don't know, what do you call like the castle area, like the social hub, I guess? Would you, would in, you agree to those terms? In three houses? engage yeah and the same sort of thing like you're not at a school oh, yeah, it's like I you're guess in some so. sort of castle land um and yeah, Marth is like there that. standing there just like a regular npc or a party member would but he has that blue hue to him like he's like clearly summoned from another world it's interesting some of the uh information on this game was allegedly leaked i don't know how widely reported it was because a lot of people thought it was a fake leak it was one of those things where it popped up a couple months ago everyone was like yeah dude they're not gonna have a two-colored hair person and Marth is not coming back for mm -hmm. another game that's not a remake Come to find out, they were right, and some of the things that they talked about were um, this game initially being developed as like a big anniversary game at first, before it becoming its own full video game where it's like an original story. So I think the initial plan was to have it be like Marth and Roy and Lucina and Ike and like all of like your mainstays from the past games coming back to play. So I think right now we're seeing just a couple returning characters, Marth, and I think there's mm -hmm. like a character from Echoes that popped up. My guess is that this game gets a little bit of that Smash Brothers type of rollout where in between now and its release date, which was announced, it's coming out October 20th. So a pretty fast turnaround. That game will be out in four months. Wow. Yeah, really exciting. Wow. Um, I think that they will have every Nintendo event or every Fire Emblem trailer, they're going to show off another character. They're going to have Roy pop up and people are going to go nuts for it. They're going to have Ike pop up and people are going to go nuts for it. And I think that they will eventually lead up to, if not in the base game as DLC, you'll be able to get all of your people from Three Houses. You'll be able to get your Byleth and your Edelgard. See, that's what I was thinking. Like, I want I want Byleth. I really liked Byleth, even, even though he was a silent protagonist. Yeah. But, but then I was thinking, like, Byleth, if he comes in and he's a silent protagonist he or mm -hmm. she i guess um yep. like everybody else has conversations and violets is just standing there like silent absolutely nothing yeah that's um, true i mean they could give him a voice now at this point or her voice um yeah but I yeah think and uh the game looks good man it does it does and i'll, I'll be playing like i 
I think I'm just kind of sad this isn't a sequel to Three Houses. Um, I think that's that why exists. I initially... It's called Three Hopes, and it's a Warriors game. Yeah, I don't like Warriors games. Um, yeah, I get that. So maybe that's on me, but me either, really. But I still end up playing them a lot. I would like to go back and check that out because I know it has. From what I understand, is that that is a really worthwhile sequel to Three Houses, and it's got a lot of that same social stuff built in into the hub world. Um, yeah, well, it just has like different it's gameplay. Like a... It's an alternate dimension where Byleth is the bad guy. I think so, yeah. And you play, like, because it takes spoilers for Three Houses, which is like three or four years old at this point. If you haven't played it yet, cover your ears and look away for 15 seconds. Um, it takes place in between the time jump. And that time jump doesn't play out the same way, to my understanding. Okay. So okay. there is, like, a, a gap of Maybe time that's missing. It. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I think that's a game like worth picking up for forty bucks if it's on sale. Giving it a go. Okay. There's a demo Last for Last question: it too. What is your house in Three Houses? The blue one, Dimitri, and more importantly, Didu. Dude, you can't even remember its name. The blue Black lions. Eagles for life, dude. I thought you were Edelgard simp. I am. Black Edelgard Eagles is, is not Edelgard's from Black house. Eagles. No. Yes. No. Yes. She's red. Yes. Edelgard's red. The house is called Black Eagles, but the color is red and black. That's stupid. That should tell you because enough that you've made the wrong decision. Then what's the other one? That's no. yellow? It's Yeah, it's like Golden Lion or something, or Golden No, Blue stag. Lions. Gold Stag golden... sounds right. Oh, my God. I've got to look this up. You look it up. You look I it up. Know. Um, I I think... I'm really interested in this. I think the the thing about this Fire Emblem leak that we should talk about real quick just before we move off the topic of Fire Emblem is that alongside this leak, in addition to this Fire Emblem Engage, was also mention of a Fire Emblem remake coming on the heels of it. So Fire Emblem 4, which was, I believe, a Nintendo or a Super Nintendo game and has never come to America before, is allegedly the next Fire Emblem project and it's well along its uh, development cycle, which is pretty exciting. Um, cool. It is the Blue Lions, the Black mm -hmm. Eagles with Edelgard. Their wow. colors technically red, even though they're called the Black Eagles. Foolish. Um, and then the Golden Deer, not the Golden Stag. Got golden it. Deer. Got it. Yeah. Blue Lions, baby. Edelgard, baby. Number one. Number one. All right. The Nintendo Direct had more to offer than just that. The the list keeps on going. Uh, our king, fellow of Nintendo. Shigeru Miyamoto took the stage to talk to us about Pikmin Bloom for five minutes, a game that's been out for a year and is not very successful, essentially begging us to play it and telling us how good it was, and everybody was losing their minds. They were like, how is this what he's talking about? But don't worry, the man made good. At the end of the Pikmin Bloom spiel, he finally showed up and said, Pikmin 4 is coming. And he said some really interesting stuff like... I also made a new shirt and showed us the shirt that he was wearing, which is just a I saw that. big P on it. <laughs> it's rad. I don't know why he focused on that, and I don't know where I can get that shirt, but if you know, please leave it in the comments so I can immediately purchase it. But um, I'm sure it's off on a, Etsy by now. I know. I want that official Nintendo seal of quality. I've had that thing mm -hmm. since the 80s, maybe. I need it. Um, really slim as far as the trailer goes for Pikmin 4, but he did give away some details which were super interesting. Um, he mentioned 
simplifying the control scheme and he mentioned this concept that they're calling dandori which is not like an existing japanese word i looked it up um dandori is uh a focus on strategically planning and deploying and commanding pikmin from the pikmin's perspective so instead of playing from like a top-down view like you have in the previous pikmin games you might be down like low on the ground as if you were playing as a Pikmin, which is interesting and it's cool that they're changing up the format. I think Pikmin has always been a cult classic, but I don't think that the game has ever been as successful as Nintendo wants it to be, nor as successful as the people that are passionate about it think that it is. And I think that they're still waiting for that big breakthrough game and that perhaps Pikmin 4 will be the one. So time will tell. I'm really excited about it. Cool to see Miyamoto out there. Terrible to watch your heroes age, but hey, that's life, isn't it? Still still pretty cool. Any Pikmin history? Any interest whatsoever? No. Well, don't worry, because no. you'll surely be interested in Kirby's Return to Dreamland Deluxe. Uh, I don't have much to say about this. This is a port of a Wii game. The Wii game was above average, but not great. It is coming out uh, February 24th. Of next year uh, I don't think it'll be a full price game this game deserves to be $39.99 it looks bad as far as graphical quality goes but it's a uh, fun side-scrolling Kirby platformer that is a like actual sequel to Nightmare in Dreamland which is one of the best Kirby games of all time so cool that they're giving us that offer and it's crazy that it's already been it'll ha it'll have been almost a year when that game comes out um, which is pretty impressive in between that and Forgotten Land but outside of that, we got some crazy details for the Nintendo 64 catalog expanding in a very big way. Now, this is pretty exciting. They announced Mario Party 1, 2, 3, Excite Bike 64, 1080 Snowboarding, Pokemon Stadium 1 and 2, and Pilot Wing 64 all coming to the Nintendo 64, the NSO, Nintendo Switch Online expansion pass basically um they announced dates not quite dates but they said that mario party one two and pilot wings i believe are all coming out this year so they're sticking to that monthly schedule we'll get an october a november and a december game and then the rest of the games will filter out after that but then they hit us with the stinger and they told us that in addition goldeneye is coming out for Nintendo Switch Online, and it's gonna have online multiplayer. Now, GoldenEye precedes you as a human, right? Uh, yes, yes it does. That's okay, that's okay, you are you are forgiven. I am interested to see how this plays out. GoldenEye is a really big deal to a lot of gamers my age. It was the first time that a first person shooter made it to a console with split screen multiplayer basically it was like the big coming out party for that whole genre of games the popularity of like i would say like it's tough to call it like all first person shooters because like at this point counter-strike is already in existence there are a bunch of games like doom and wolfenstein have been around for years like pcs have already had first person shooters but the idea of like split screen multiplayer with your friends on friday night at a sleepover type of thing didn't exist until goldeneye so i feel like the games like halo those big split screen games from back in the day owe a lot to GoldenEye, and it has a uh, fond place in a lot of people's hearts. The only problem is, is if you've played GoldenEye in the last 15 years, game don't hold up. Looks real bad. 
controls like dog shit. So I'm wondering if they're going to do anything to fix it up. It had a single control stick, the Nintendo 64, if you remember correctly, and you controlled the camera with the fucking C stick. Um, the C buttons. It was a single analog controller, so it was like forward, back, and then look left, right. There was no strafe or anything like that. A real pain in the ass to control, but it'll be interesting to see if they do anything to glitz it up or if it's just going to be a faithful port of Goldeneye. And then on the heels, did you see Rare's tweets? Yeah, they're making like a a remastered Goldeneye for Xbox. Not even. It's all really weird the way that they announced it. So they're bringing it to Xbox with 4K resolution, which I don't think means that they're remastering it all. It sounds like it's just being like upscaled. So it's still going to look like complete dog shit. But it's worth noting that there's no online play mentions for the Xbox version. That's going to be exclusive it's, to Nintendo. It's very it's strange. So bad on yeah. in 4k like it's it was not terrible. built for 4k like it's yeah. gonna look better on the switch than it is on the xbox yeah yeah i think what we're gonna run into here is that people are going to realize once this comes out that goldeneye is best as a memory and not as a uh current game unfortunately which is uh sad but that's the way that the world yeah. works man you Sometimes... know i i did play quantum solace on the ps2 if that counts. that must not have been very good it wasn't. It was very bad. <laughs> yeah. There's been good yeah. GoldenEye games since. It's just not that one. That's for sure. They made a sequel to GoldenEye back in the day called uh, GoldenEye Rogue Agent, which is also not very good. But there's been... Um, there's still a GoldenEye, not a GoldenEye game. There's a Bond game in the 007. works. Yeah, there's a Yeah, that's right, with I.O. I.O., the people behind Hitman who have had Hitman. huge success with that. So I think that's maybe the more exciting thing that's coming out of that franchise right now but speaking they, uh, of things to be excited they should have called that. the sequel to golden eye uh golden eyes damn you right yeah. you right <laughs> all right yeah. go off king tell us about octopath traveler 2 octopath traveler 2 should have been called octopath travelers <laughs> um, <laughs> someone hire this man <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm actually really excited for this. I love the first game. Um, I okay. I'll, I will admit, I've never finished the first game. Sure. Uh, it's very long, like very long. It's like eight full length uh, JRPGs in one game. Uh, but it it's very good. It's got it. It's the game that that developed the HD 2D uh yeah. look. Yeah. I guess pioneered, not developed. Credit where credit Anyways. is due. Yeah, so this is the second one. Of course, Octopath, there's going to be eight protagonists that you can pick from. Uh, each of their initials ends up with the letters O-C-T-O-P-A-T-H. Um, again, what? yeah. So it's going to spell Octopath with their initials what? again. There's Oswald right there. Yeah, yeah, and Throne. What a time um, to be alive. Yeah, so the setting of this one is what interests me. It's got a little bit more color than the first one. You can even see just the color in the like key art. Um, yeah, it's slick looking. And it, yeah, the setting is like, uh, it's kind of, I want to say like industrial revolution type, like Victorian era. Which is the same as the first it. Octopath, right? Well, it was a little further back. It was okay. like, it was like a little more primitive than the Victorian era. Um, it, 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 I don't know. I love these games. If you're a JRPG guy, uh, or girl, you're, you, I think you would really enjoy them. Sure. Uh, they're beautiful. They, they just, I don't know, they managed to bring old graphics into the modern era in just yeah. a, a wonderful way. It's um, 
what I was saying where credit where credit is due on Octopath is like they nailed that aesthetic and it has taken off in a big way. And I think that I mean obviously like the Live Alive remaster that I've been passionate about this year owes yeah. a lot of its DNA to this Octopath Traveler one. Um, there's the Dragon Quest three HD two D remake. There are people clamoring for Final Fantasy remakes in this art style. They hit the fucking ball out of the park on this thing and Octopath 2 is no slouch when it comes to visuals the game looks fantastic you can tell that these are the masters of this you know new visual method of making games um, coming yeah. back to show us how it's done once again because it is fucking pretty and and I could be wrong but I'm I'm 99% sure the team that made this game is also, I mean, it's the Octopath 1 team, the Triangle Strategy team, and they also made Live Alive. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's the same team within Square. So they are just pumping stuff out. Uh, and all of it is very good. Square in general is pumping stuff out lately. I mean, yes, absolutely. I, they've always kind of done that, but the amount of video games that you can just say that Square Enix is working on right now, and they have Valkyrie something they Elysium. have harvestella they have just a ridiculous amount of stuff that is coming out at all times and that's not even including like the flagship stuff that everybody is excited about things yep. like oh i'm transitioning do you have anything else to say about octopus oh nothing continue perfect because square enix showed up in a very big way and gave daddy his sweets crisis core final fantasy 7 reunion you know how excited i am listen buddy we talked about this we talked about having our spoil list we had a bet a long time ago where if i won we would be able to do a spoil list on final fantasy 7 remake and integrate which would involve colin playing integrate for the first time and us talking about that story the story of the original final fantasy 7 the story of final fantasy 7 remake all kind of leading up to the hype train on crisis core and when this game was announced last year they announced crisis core and rebirth for the final fantasy 35th anniversary final fantasy 7 anniversary event basically and what they did is they pitched crisis core reunion and final fantasy 7 rebirth which is remake part two for winter uh for this winter and next winter and everybody assumed that that meant march again because the last one was slated for march and ended up slipping into april because of covid somehow they announced crisis core reunion and it's coming out this fucking year it's coming out really really soon it'll be out on december 13th so hype mode engage tell me about your history or excitement levels for crisis core do they exist uh, no history, um, excitement level, um, six. Oh. It's, it's not that I'm not excited for it. Um, I just don't know that much about the gameplay because I know it's different from Final Fantasy VII Remake. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to have to kind of see it in action uh, it's gonna before be I can really... Much more similar to like Final Fantasy VII Original, somewhere between Seven Original and... I guess 7 Remake. The visuals, yeah. much closer to Final Fantasy 7 Remake than Final Fantasy 7, that's for sure. Um, but it's a really interesting fighting system that I think a lot of people are going to appreciate. Not many people got to play it the first time around. It is a port yeah. of a PSP game technically, but obviously with a shiny coat of paint. It looks really, really good. And it looks even better now with the launch trailer. They showed like a 
60 or 90 second trailer during the Nintendo Direct and announced the release date for it for the Nintendo Switch. Square Enix then went separately and threw up a two and a half minute trailer for the release date for all systems, all consoles. It's December 13th for everything. And it's coming out for previous gen and current gen, PS5, Series X included, um, PC as well consoles you name it if you want crisis core you'll be able to get it and my hype levels are through the fucking roof and especially the fact that it's going to be out this year that it can make my goatee list uh-oh we're gonna have a problem oh, i'm gonna have no. to fly through this fucking thing because it comes out right at the tail end of the year there are a couple games yeah. that slotted into december this time around which is really interesting but um if you're a final fantasy 7 fan Make no mistake, this is a this is an essential video game, especially if you're playing through remake. Uh, it does not take place in. Mm, we'll save that for spoilist. Final Fantasy VII remake integrate. Don't want to go into things too far, but Ooh, yeah, definitely essential. It's uh, you play as Zack, who, if you've played any of remake, you know is a big deal. If you played the original one, you know is a huge deal. It is a uh, exciting time still to be a Final Fantasy VII fan, but. It's also a really good time to be a Final Fantasy Anything fan because in addition to Crisis Core Reunion, they announced a brand new theater rhythm. And Whoa, the crowd goes no mild. Oh and my the goodness. crowd goes mild. Wow. Uh, theater rhythm is fun, man. There's uh, two or three of them. They are... A rhythm action game for the DS, the 3DS originally, and it was out on mobile phones for a little while too. It's basically Final Fantasy music from a ton of different Final Fantasy games. They announced that there's going to be over 500 songs available in the game to play along with for the Switch when it comes out, depending on which version you get and which DLC you buy. So it's everything from your mainline and your spin-off Final Fantasies. But the cool twist here is that they announced that there's songs coming as DLC packs from different franchises too, including Chrono Trigger, The World Ends With You, Live Alive most recently, and then the one that probably doubled the amount of games sold, Nier. You're Nier, Nier boy, aren't yeah. you? I'm a Nier boy, for sure. Uh-huh, uh-huh. There's a lot of Nier boys and girls out there, and they're going to yeah. want to play their music. I'm sure of it, but pretty exciting for me i'm definitely gonna play that game it's fun to just jam out with those songs uh it's always been a good time this is uh, no exception so theater rhythm now there's a couple other nintendo direct announcements this is all the stuff that we hit that was pretty important to us overall pretty fucking good show um yeah only only it was like 45 minutes long it ended up being and i mean mm -hmm. those are some some barn burners that's for sure a lot for people to be excited for so yeah that, concludes the Nintendo Direct and the Ubisoft conference. Do you want to spice things up and insert what we've been playing right now or do you want to keep on rolling through some of the events? Let's do let's do this. Let's do the rest of the events. Sure. Let's jump into like opening night live and just recap a little bit of what happened there. And then we'll go and talk about what we've been playing and what we were excited for. Then we'll talk about the news that happened that was not event related. And then we'll wrap things up with what is coming, you know, in the future. Uh, do we want to talk about state of play right now or later? Ooh, you want to jump into state of play? We're going based off of excitement. You excited about that state of play? Yeah, I thought it was really good. It was pretty good, I would say. And I'm definitely down to talk about it because this happened mere hours after 
the uh, mm -hmm. Nintendo one. And I guess we should do the same thing that we did for the uh, Nintendo Direct. We started with the end of the show and then made our way to mm -hmm. the uh, beginning of the show. So they closed out the, the show with, of course... The God of War Ragnarok Special Edition controller! Oh, <laughs> uh, dude, I was about to say, you showed, you showed a picture of the controller and been like, yeah, this is it. Yeah, the, yeah. the Ragnarok controller. They gave us the one more thing and then showed off this controller and everyone freaked out because they thought that this is all they were going to show. But they did end up jumping into a full God of War Ragnarok uh, preview trailer. Uh, they showed a lot of new stuff, basically, for God of War Ragnarok, and it looked really fucking good it's uh, officially being pitched yeah. as like their story trailer i think this is the most that we'll see of the game as far as narrative goes but uh goddamn they made it worth it game looks sweet as you can imagine i mean we knew that was going to be the case but i think that there was more that we were not expecting that they definitely definitely showed off this time around uh what did you make yeah. of all this uh this is probably the most excited i've been for ragnarok yeah. Like I was a huge fan of God of War 2018, mm -hmm. uh, but I I haven't really been hyped for Ragnarok for some reason. I've just kind of been like, okay, it's coming out, cool. You know, I haven't been like, yeah. oh my god, I can't wait for it. I'm in uh, the same but boat. after this trailer, after this trailer, I'm like, okay, this is really nice. This is really yeah. exciting. It looks like they've made some really good jumps. Um, right. They focused yeah. on spectacle, man. Um, yeah. I think one of the biggest pieces of feedback people had from God of War 2018, if you're nitpicking and trying to find something wrong with a game that's nearly perfect, uh, enemy variety came up a lot of times. You're kind of hacking yeah. through the same couple dozen types of enemies throughout the entire game. Even the bosses mm -hmm. were recycled to a certain point. This time they said, here's two of the same bosses at the same time. At the same but time. <laughs> also showed off a ton of interesting looking enemy designs. Uh, what do you think? Is, are we going to fight that big old jellyfish or what? Oh, I don't know, man. I, I wish I knew more about like Norse mythology. Um, I, I, everything in this trailer makes me think like, is this the same world that we were in in the last game? Right. It just feels like, I mean, I guess they're traveling the nine realms. Um, right. This game just feels so much bigger. And the original game, um, the 2018 game, was already huge as it was. Uh, so I don't know. I'm, yeah, I'm it raises uh, a lot of questions. I think um, what a lot of people are kind of bugging about right now is that there's a lot of purists out there that say, stop showing so much of the game. And I understand what they're getting at there like it does feel like they are showing a lot of stuff but god of war especially 2018 was very good at not showing their hand with a lot of stuff yeah i mean at this point we can talk god of war 2018 spoilers they showed it in this trailer that their blades of chaos are back obviously and that was a gigantic yeah. reveal that happened about halfway through the game in the first one one of the coolest video game moments ever and also probably the best gaming moment that year was going back and getting those Blades of Chaos, and that was held back through all of the promotional stuff for that video game. That was a new revelation for everybody that played that game fresh in 2018, or still plays it fresh now. Sorry if you haven't and you just listened to that. But um, <laughs> that gives me peace of mind with what I just saw. I don't feel like the game is spoiled for me, because if we know anything about Sony Santa Monica, it's that they still have plenty of cards that they are not showing, and we are Absolutely. still going to be wowed and surprised by what this game has to offer. 
and and like the people that are like, oh, they're showing too much. Stop showing all this. Counter argument. Stop watching. Yeah, Just, sure. You, you don't have out. to watch the trailer. Yeah. Like I I I choose not to watch trailers for a lot of things just because I don't want any spoilers, you know? Um, that's all you have to do. I want to. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I feel like there's so much about this game that we are not going to know until we boot it up and get there. Um, Without a doubt. I'm, Without a I'm doubt. pretty excited for it. I do have the question, though. Uh, same question I had with Breath of the Wild is, how is this game going to make a jump in the, the gap that it's had since the last one? Because it's been a while. I mean, it's been yeah. four years. Um, I just want to see how they make that jump and how they I think justify it's new like weapon mechanics. Gap. My guess is one, maybe two more weapons that we haven't seen that are going to blow our minds. And I think it's yeah. going to be like environmental and story details. If they're showing this much Thor, I'm guessing that Thor is not the final boss of the game. I'm guessing it goes yeah. even crazier. And I think that there is a there is a piece from the. I guess from like the story aspect of this game that a lot of people have seemed to overlook now at this point. And I think what's really going to happen with this game is that they've announced that this game is not part of a trilogy. They said that this wraps yeah. up the North, the, the Norse, the arc Norse arc of yep. God of War. So I think whatever happens towards the end of this game, I'm interested to see what that final act looks like because I think, here's my big theory for God of War 2022. We play uh, as a comes out, in the next one. Game comes out November 9th, right? Day after Sonic Frontiers. So it's going to have to wait a little bit in my in R. my R.I.P. Sonic. No, R.I.P. God of War. Um, <laughs> my guess is that the final act of this game kind of puts a wrap on the arc of Norse mythology. I think that maybe we fight Thor or kill Thor, however that ends up. I think that stuff starts to get wrapped up in the third act in that we maybe start jumping into other mythologies. I think by the end of that game, we are playing in outside of the Nine Realms and jumping into whatever sort of uh, mythos they decide to go into next. And in that at the end of this game, there is a clear picture of what the next two God of War games are and where we're headed and what we're doing. And I think that yeah. you're right that Atreus is obviously going to play a big role in that. And, you know, they, they had talked about whenever they were making the 2018, it was going to be like one Norse, one Egyptian, and then mm -hmm. one something else. So who knows? They might go to the Egyptian next time. Yeah. Um, it's very interesting. I, I'm yep. curious to see how it plays out. Uh, yeah. But thankfully, with like Norse mythology, they have a, a wide variety of like environments oh, to yeah. choose from. Um, I don't know how Egyptian would play out. Uh, I mean, isn't it just deserts and stuff and like pyramids? You played Assassin's Creed Origins and seemed to like it. You tell me. Yeah, it's it was deserts and pyramids. I'm in. So, I'm in. Yeah, let's do it. Cool. So that was the big God of War blowout, but the show opened with a big one for me, Tekken Eight, man, and it looked fucking great. Now you are not a Tekken guy. You're not really a fighting game guy. And Correct. I think, am I saying too much in saying that this trailer was impressive to you? Oh, no, it was very impressive. Um, it looked so it, fucking good. Yeah, that's uh, the video that's playing right now is captured in real time playing on a PlayStation. This is not a pre-rendered video. This is, Which is wild. real-time simulation. Yeah, it is, uh, it is extremely impressive. If you're listening to this, the, the trailer is Jin Kazama and Kazuya, Kazuya fighting, basically. 2D 
fighting in a 3D environment with the most ridiculous particle and water effects that I have ever seen and lighting effects in a video game. There is so much happening on screen at once. It is honestly mind-blowing. And one of the things that they've said in interviews since then with the creator of Tekken has been that this game is... 100% developed from the ground up in partnership with Epic Games so that they can do Unreal Engine 5 and get the most out of it that they possibly can and that there are zero reused assets from Tekken 7 which Tekken 7 still a phenomenal looking game to this day so I mean it's not saying too much that the best looking fighting game on the market is Tekken 8 right now and that's with the amazing looking Street Fighter 6 uh, you know starting to really come out of its shell super impressive showing again not too much they're working on the game they pretty much just said be excited they didn't give us like a uh, concrete date or anything like that for Tekken but goddamn a, a great showing and something to get really really excited about uh, does it look good enough for you to play it uh, probably not yeah I hear you it's I just because I don't feel I'm not sell. I'm not going to spend 60 bucks, 70 bucks on a, a game that I'm just not going to stick with, you know. Yeah. I think the um, first um there's basically there are three fighting games that exist that I think can get people interested if they make the big move first. I think the next gigantically successful fighting game will be in the series of Street Fighter, Tekken or Mortal Kombat. Those are the big three fighting games. Or Fortnite. That's not a fighting game. And it will be if the three of them, if one of them decides to make their next big budget title free to play from launch, from launch, they will be the king of fighting games. They will be the biggest fighting game since Street Fighter 2, if you ask me. Yeah. I think that's what you need to do. They need to lower the bar of entry so that people can spend the time to get good at these games that have a high skill ceiling and a high entry level skill ceiling as well. Like it is really frustrating because you get a fighting game you buy it you play through the story mode you think you're decent you get online you get your ass kicked you say there's nothing in this game for me and you are done if you make the game free if you give everybody the opportunity to see that they can get decent at this game and play it and have fun you will make your money back in microtransactions and through word of mouth and from people just wanting to play against each other in living rooms mm -hmm. and online i think that is the key to success for the next big fighting game but i'm no maximilian dude so maybe ask him he knows. All right. Does he? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know who that is. He knows. Uh, he's the biggest like fighting game streamer. But oh, cool. like a dragon, Ishin. What did you think about this trailer? Uh, it looks good. I might play this game. Are you a Yakuza guy? No. Um, well, from what I understand is that this is a good entry point because it's a complete spinoff, and you need to know nothing about the Like a Dragon or Yakuza series yeah yeah that's uh and it, and it's gonna be new and it's like the it's not turn-based um it's like a yeah, live action actually. brawler i guess um yep. so yeah i'm excited i'm excited about this i'll probably play it he he literally starts a sword fight in the trailer and then pulls out a gun so it's like yeah of course, it's really that's cool like the, it's the best thing ever it's uh it's an interesting video game so it is a remake technically not a remaster mm -hmm. it's a remake of a game that came out it was a ps3 game that was ported to the playstation 4 for launch in japan extremely popular it's a spin-off of the yakuza series in the u.s like a dragon in japan and uh it's like critically acclaimed and people absolutely adore this game so i think this is one of those games that seems like it's like a yeah 
okay we'll spend a couple minutes a couple minutes on it on the gameless podcast i think it's going to be bigger than either of us expect uh bigger than oh, many americans expect and it's going to be mm-hmm. gigantic in japan i know there are a lot of people that are very excited for this one when it comes out but yep. uh more yep. on yakuza coming soon there was a uh rgg um press conference for tgs that we'll cover sometime in the next episode uh let's talk about something that was like really surprising to both of us that no one was expected uh that no one was expecting that's a game called Pacific Drive, which to me had, I guess, the most tantalizing um, trailer for everything at this PlayStation event. What did you think of this yeah. game? What do you make of this? Uh, I don't know. Table set. What, what is this video game? Um, I, I'm not entirely sure what to make of it. it so inferring from the title and from the gameplay that's uh, shown, mm-hmm. um, it's a game where you're driving down the Pacific Coast Mm-hmm. running from like supernatural events and creatures um looks like you can get out of your car and scavenge for materials and whatnot um but if you spend too long in a certain area you'll be like overrun yeah. um I- i'm not entirely sure what to pull from it, it- it's got a very good art style uh not like hyper realistic but kind of like a watercolor palette almost um i I want to see more of it. The trailer left me wanting more. Uh, and I think yeah. that's a, a good sign for a trailer. I feel like you can listen to this podcast and get an idea of what the trailer for God of War was and get an idea of what the trailer for Tekken was. And we can explain it all day long, but I feel like this is the one where if you're listening to this and you haven't seen the trailer yet, this is the one to go yeah. and watch because it's better seen than talked about. It is just a very interesting and unique game and it does a great job in its minute and a half trailer of setting the scene and kind of diverting your expectations or I guess like giving you the wrong expectations. Like you and I were watching it live. We did a reaction. It's on our YouTube stream and we were like, it's zombies. It's a fucking zombie game. No one's going to care about this. And this guy gets into this like juiced up station wagon and starts driving through like tornadoes and electricity fields and stuff. And it's just a very interesting video game. Um, Really excited to see what's next. Brand new studio, Ironwood studios, just all around uh, a really nice and unique surprise that I'm excited to sink my teeth into. It's something that I'm definitely going to watch and see if it's up my alley because I would love to give this game my time already. And Absolutely. I know almost nothing about it. So it's nice when there's a nice surprise like that. Uh, let's jump into Rise of the Ronin. This was a pretty big surprise. Uh, oh, yeah, also so... uh, Pacific Drive 2023. No, no ironed out date. Yeah um rise of the ronin it is a it's a uh team ninja game yeah uh they're partnering they're, they're partnered with uh i can't remember the other koei temko koei temko that's right um and they are koei it's Tecmo? like a dyslexia koei, sorry beats me um yeah so it's set in like a industrial revolution japan Mm-hmm. Um and it's like an open world looking area. If it's anything like Team Ninja's prior games, it's gonna be like Souls difficulty almost. Yeah. Yep. Um, I I really don't know what to expect from this game, but I'm into it. It's kind of been like the vibe for uh for this showcase. Yeah. Was yep. I don't know what to expect, but it looks very good, and it's been I partner. Think... It... Go ahead. Oh, it's been developed like in partnership with PlayStation for a couple of years now. Yeah. Um, 
So PlayStation's backing it, so I'm I'm pretty excited. Yeah, it's a uh, PlayStation console exclusive developed by Koei Tecmo. And what's interesting about it, what I think is really cool about this trailer is that the trailer is good and this looks like a game that's ready to ship, right? But yeah. unlike most of the games in this conference, this is not a game for 2022. This is not a game for 2023. This is a 2024 game that Team Ninja is working on for them. So that, yeah. to me is the sure sign of like a quality product. I think Team Ninja has tarnished their reputation a little bit, if I'm gonna be honest here. They were in the glory days of like the Xbox, really doing a number with like Ninja Gaiden and stuff like that. And I think that they've failed to rise to that, I don't know, height since then. And they need a big win as a development studio. And this looks like it could be it. Again, it's gonna suffer a little bit from being one of the many games that are kind of in this wheelhouse of like, you're playing a samurai or a roguelike or some sort yeah. of like, you know, mm-hmm. uh, sword wielding action game that's hard to play. Um, yeah. But what I saw today was a game with a beautiful open world developed by a team that knows how to make a combat system that just looked really fun and it looks like they're putting the time in to to master it and make it what it's supposed to be i see this game shaping up similar to ghost of tsushima where it looks like a thousand other games but if they do the ramp up the right way it could be so critically acclaimed that it breaks through and sets itself apart from a lot of the other games that we've talked about today so pretty uh pretty impressive showing for rise of the ronin i'm definitely got a uh, great it's got a great key art as well. It does. That it does. Yeah. Um, now, if you want to talk about games with bad key art, let's talk about Stellar Blade. Uh, hey, bad key art, but talk about a game with a glow up. Now, this is Project Eve. Yes. It is now known as Stellar Blade, and this game was shown off at a state of play uh, late last year or early this year under the Project Eve moniker, and a lot of people thought it was Parasite Eve at first, they weren't sure what to make of it, and it was, you know, interesting, not the most impressive thing in the world, and this game had a glow up. This was a awesome trailer, if you ask me. I think it was uh, super interesting looking, and it was really fun to watch live, kind of putting together, what is this game? Is this Project Eve? I think it's Project Eve. I think that's the girl. Uh, just the amount of like time and effort that's been put in on further developing what this game is. You could tell that they made a protagonist and they made like a battle system and a general aesthetic and they've really kind of mixed and mastered it since then. So pretty good look at that game. Where are you falling on Project Eve? Uh, this might be Stellar Blade, Stellar Blade, Stellar Blade. Uh, yes, yeah, Stellar Blade. This might be my favorite one at the show. Really? Um, yeah, I the I don't I don't know. I, I, I hate describing things as the vibe, mm-hmm. but the vibe of this game is just like super techno, super anime. Yeah. Um I don't know. I, I love it and I can't wait to play it. This is this is a, I'm definitely buying this game. Uh also, uh we might have a new best girl on the table. Ooh. Ooh, yeah. I'm looking at her and I'm inclined to agree. It does look Dude. cool, but is your best boy the mechanical old man or what? Uh, yes, sure. Her suit, her green like like exo suit looking thing. Sure, I love it. Absolutely love it. Yeah. Also, it, it looks look like cool. she has a. I don't know if you saw it in that one scene that 
just played on the video version of the podcast check it out check us out on youtube um good plug dude. she had like a thing that was like floating behind her that kind of looked like a ghost from destiny yeah yep yeah. some sort of like a they do that in near a lot too don't you have like an extra thing like firing behind you all the time yes yes does kind of have that vibe but yeah um stellar blade that's the name right not project eve yeah stellar blade nailed it oh, so first no. try they're, they're the same thing literally yeah. they're the same thing yeah, 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 it'll fade out of into obscurity. You'll forget that Forspoken was once called Project Athea. Nice work, dude. Good pull. Yeah. Good pull. Yeah. Um, last I... game that we wanted to talk about for the Sony conference, I didn't really want to talk about it, but certain somebody is excited for Rain Code. Yeah, Rain Code. Um, so do you know the Danganronpa games? I know of them. I've never played them. Okay, so this is pretty much the new game from the Danganronpa guys. Okay. Um, so pretty much the premise of this game that I've understood just from the trailer uh, is it is you're, you're playing a character that is like haunted by like some sort of like demon slash angel type thing. Sure. Uh, and you're an, you're an investigator and you're solving mysteries. And as you piece together stuff, like different clues from the mysteries and whatnot, uh, mm -hmm. or from like the crime scenes, uh, this angel or demon or whatever will kind of suck you into like a pocket dimension so mm -hmm. you can figure out and piece together everything that you've solved. And then you'll be, you'll be fighting a boss, but when you're fighting the boss, it's kind of like a, a test. They're like quizzing you on the information that you've found out. And you have to answer the questions correctly to like solve the mystery and defeat the boss. Um, I don't know. It looks interesting to me. I like games where you play yeah. as police. Uh, it looks a like little bit Astral Blade. You played as like a like I think is like the yeah. the big game that I could draw a comparison to that we haven't mentioned yet. Uh, I mm -hmm. think it's also worth noting that I mixed it up and this was actually at the Nintendo Direct and not the Sony event. That day blurs together, man. Big content. Oh, day. was it? Yeah. I didn't even notice that either. It was a big day. It was a very big and busy day. But yeah, no, I get it. It looks cool. It looks like um it looks like some weeby shit and I can get on board with that from time to time. That's for sure. Yeah. Not too bad. That's that well, do we know the release date? Was that in the trailer? I actually haven't checked about that. I don't believe it was. I think okay. it's a twenty twenty three game. But didn't I win the bet where you have to play something on my spring 2020 yes yeah yep. oh my god i did so lose the bet. a bet i yeah, thought okay. that i was it was the ubisoft forward bet where i thought that we yes. would hear splinter cell was coming back and the bet was if we hear at any time the sound of sam fisher's goggles uh if if they if i hear it then i win and colin has to play a game from my game of the year list that he hasn't played and the other option would be if I don't hear it, then I have to play something from his list that I didn't play towards the end of the year. We're doing our roundup. We're pretty good if you're listening to us for the first time this year as we ramp up our goatee lists. Basically what we do is once December, January rolls around, we kind of kick it into hyperdrive mode and we try to go through what we've play missed. everything. Yes, yeah. exactly. So we'll have that opportunity where once our lists are starting to look a little bit more hashed out, we'll have our top 10 and our honorable mentions. Uh, we'll be able to recommend to each other some stuff to play. And there's definitely some things from his list that I would absolutely avoid because they're not my jam, but now he has the, 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 power, the power to make me. Yeah, I can't wait. I just have to, to figure out which one he's going to hate the most. Don't try to make it bad. You, wanna, you want me to add something to my game of the list. 
game of the year list. Uh, so the best way to do it would be oh. technically would be to um, look at everything and say, what has he not played that I could get him to appreciate so that perhaps it makes it further on his game of the year list. I already know what, what I'm going to make you play. Okay. Don't, don't save it. Save it. Yeah. I already save know. it. But right now let's hop into another event that took place. Let's hop into Gamescom Another opening night event. live. Gamescom opening night live from executive producer of Game List, Jeff Keeley. Jeff Keeley. Co-creator, I would say. We can't call GK. him executive producer. Okay, technically he has nothing to do with this, but he is the reason that this podcast exists. So we give him a little credit. We give, we give Jeff a little shout out. He'll be guessing on the show at some point in the future, that's for sure, as one we continue day, to blow day. up. Um, now listen, this was a big show. There was a lot happening in the show. We'll just talk about some of the highlights and some of the things that we saw during this crazy event. Um, we've been doing the same thing for all of these events and sort of like starting with the end, starting with the big thing that they showed off. So this was the big re-reveal of fucking Dead Island 2 from the ashes of the original Dead Island 2 comes Dead Island 2. What did you think, dude? Can you believe it's back? It looks really good. Yeah. Um, I think this game looks better than Saints Row. If well, I had to compare hard. it to something. Well, you know, I just had to give it like a frame of reference. I I like stupid zombie games where you run around bashing skulls in. Mm -hmm. Like, that's my thing. Um, so I will be more than happy to pick this game up when it releases, grab a six-pack of beers, and just get drunk and play this game all night. I get it. Did you play the original Dead Island or Dead Island Riptide? I did. I played, yes, Dead Island, Dead Island Riptide. And you liked them? Yeah, loved them. I get it. Um, I'm not big on Dead Island in general or zombie games in general. I did play the original Dead Island for the first couple hours, and I liked it enough for a game genre that I'm not too fond of. I understand why it's popular. I don't know if this one... Uh, here's the problem, is that this game was supposed to come out two years after Dead Island Riptide, and it just slipped yeah. into obscurity. There was no news of its cancellation. There was, in fact, rumors on the contrary. Dead Island 2 is still happening. And then kind of everybody just stopped talking about it up until it resurfaced on fucking Amazon as a pre-order three days before the show, uh, before yeah. opening Night Live. And then for opening Night Live, they closed it out with the re-reveal, the, the coming out party of Dead Island 2, the fact that it is actually happening and it's coming out soon. Um... I wonder if it's too little too late for this game. What do you think? Um, do you think it makes it? Prop. No, it's probably too late um, for like <laughs> critical success. Um, Brutal. Uh, but I, I don't care. I'm going to play it, um, which it, it's worth noting. Uh, the first two games were developed by Techland, um, which has gone on to make Dying Light 1 and 2 before yeah. a second Dead Island could come out. Um, so I think because it is, it's, it's, it's being made by different people. I think it will have a different vibe that might be interesting to some people. Mm -hmm. How many times has I, have I said vibe on this podcast? Somebody it's count a, that it's up. It's a vibe podcast. It is. I mean, we're, we're, we're just going on vibes, bro. Um, but it, you know, I think it will probably have maybe 60, 70s Metacritic scores. Um, sure. I think it will be higher than you would imagine. Uh, but it's too late. It's it's just the the gaming genre has changed. Everybody wants space horror games now. Yes, they do. Yeah. 
Uh, but we'll get to that in a moment. Don't get too far ahead of yourself, Callisto man. Before mm -hmm. we do that, we have to talk about the biggest game of November that comes out before the second biggest game of November. The day before, in fact. Sonic Frontiers coming out November. I thought you were going to say Skull and Bones, bro. No, November 8th, the day before November 9th, which is when God of War comes out. Sonic Frontiers was shown off. They showed a story trailer at Gamescom, and it looks sweet. I don't want to spend too much time. You guys know I've talked a lot about Sonic Frontiers. You know I have an unfair bias on how much I enjoy the game. I think it is going to be way better than everybody expects. And I think that at this point, I I'm running it I'm running it ragged saying the same thing, but with what they showed off in this trailer, they have put to rest all the concerns, I think, that people had with the initial showing of this game. It got off to a really bad start with its IGN press junket where it just showed off that first open world and people thought that was the entire game. Yeah, that was Sega so PR terrible. heard you loud and clear and they said, look at all the shit that we have to show off that's not that environment. Although they do have that environment and it looks fine and it looks like there's plenty to do in it. There's also a desert environment. There's some sort of like undead ruins type environment. They have these one-off levels that are inspired by old Sonic games like City Escape and Green Hill Zone. There is a lot happening in this game and it is shaping up to honestly, I think be above average and likely, if I were to guess, probably the best 3D Sonic game since Sonic Heroes, Sonic Adventure 2 Battle. Um, time will tell, obviously. We'll have full impressions in just a month or two. Um, but I think... Uh, you Sonic are Tears playing Day. Sonic 06 right now, right? Yeah. How's that going? Poorly, man. I'm streaming that on my channel, Jake Twitchin, um, on Saturday nights with three of my buddies, and we're kind of ragging on it a little bit, but I, I mean... Listen, it is a abysmal video game that's hard to play, but I enjoy it. I enjoy suffering through that video game. It's not good, but I just got a special you're place a in my heart. You're a masochist, is what you're saying. Well, only with some things, man. Uh, it's platformers. Platformers uh, do it for me. Sure. Okay. I mean, that's fair. <laughs> you do you. Um, but I will say, if if I were to buy a game on November 8th and on November 9th, November 8th would be... Skull and Bones. That's so and November absurd. 9th would be God of War. So. Congratulations on picking the only game that the general public would shame you more for than Sonic Frontiers in and Sonic Frontiers. Skull and Bones. You know. <laughs> nice work. All right, My let's talk about is. something that you are actually genuinely excited for. Is this oh, a day yes. one purchase for you? The Dual Sense uh, Edge? You know it, bro. I have yeah. to have more dual senses. I literally, if I could buy a new dual sense every week, I would. Um, oh, that's a you lie. got two on no, the dock. I've got a. Uh, oh, you're right. Oh, I could get the uh, God of War one and this one. Yeah. No, the real mistake here is them not making this have a God of War version, right? Uh, I don't think that this thing is ready for the God of War release date and the other one comes out before it. So That's this okay. doesn't have a date. Basically, this was a big surprise for opening night live for Sony to announce like a piece of hardware was pretty interesting. This is essentially yeah. Sony's pro controller. The Xbox Elite controller has existed for a long time, $200, $250. Uh, I'm guessing that'll be the price for this thing. This is a high-end PlayStation 5 DualSense. DualSense. I almost called it a DualShock and then I corrected it into DualSense, which led to DualSense. Yeah which is fine. Um, yeah, I mean, not too much to talk about. It was a 30-second trailer where it just showed this thing fucking floating around in ethereal space. 
But uh, yeah, it's cool. It's got paddle triggers. Yeah, it's you know got paddles on the back. Um, you can actually pop out the entire thumbstick apparatus mm -hmm. um, and replace them. So if your thumbstick ever goes bad on this controller, you just buy a replacement thumbstick and stick it right back in. It's modular. That's actually pretty cool. Um, yeah. So it's got a lot of, it's got like uh, trigger stops, um, reprogrammable buttons and all the, all the typical like elite controller stuff. Nice. Nice. Yeah. yeah it looks cool. I, I'm sure there's a lot of uh, people that are going to be very interested in getting this and they've been clamoring for it for a long time. Um, yeah. Do you know that Scuff owns the copyright, the trademark, the patent on paddle shifters like that on all video game controllers and that every time Microsoft sells an elite controller or PlayStation soul sells like an edge controller, they have to play, they have to pay a percentage to scuff because they fucking invented that concept. Really? Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Yeah. Pretty cool. Good for them. Did you know scuff is owned by Logitech? No, I didn't. Good for them. Good pickup. Yeah. Yeah. Good pickup. All right. Crazy. I'm starting a timer right now. You have, 60 seconds to rant about the Callisto protocol and then I'm going to cut you off. Timer starts right. now. Callisto protocol. If you don't know what it is, go look it up. It's the new Dead Space. It's by Glenn, Glenn Schofield. Um, Striking Distance Studio. Glenn Schofield. Okay, that doesn't count to my time. Pause it. Pause it. Restart. Restart. I need more time. Um, uh, so, it's the new Dead Space. It's very gory, very horror, very scary. Things are going to mutate in front of you and try to eat you and rip you in half. Um, at the opening night live, they showed possibly the worst trailer they could show for this game because it was literally just the dude sliding down a big, like, poop slide for about two minutes. Um, I don't know why they showed that. I guess they thought it was cool. It ended with him getting cut in half. Um this game looks super great if you if you're a dead space fan you're gonna love this game i recommend going and pre-ordering it right now i do not get uh commissions unfortunately um i can't wait for this game i'm gonna be playing this on my stream in december um so time look out for that at colleen underscore <laughs> and that does it for the callisto <laughs> protocol all right our next segment is for this is a pretty cool one man Moonbreaker. I'm really proud of just <laughs> alley-ooping you a minute to talk about Callisto Protocol. I'm so sick of talking about that weird fucking game. All right, wait, wait, wait. Yeah. I'm going to throw you a bonus. I don't have much new to say about it, though. Bonus, 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 bonus. Uh, I didn't prepare this as a segment, but did you happen to see Schofield's fucking tweet last month? Did you catch any of this stuff? Mm, oh, is it about the, the crunch? Yeah. This motherfucker goes mm. and fucking... Tweets it was a bad out. tweet. Oh yeah, oh yeah. He uh, he kind of fucked up. He tweeted about how cool it was that the team was working sixteen-hour days and seven days a week to make Callisto the best product it was. It was the most tone-deaf tweet in the world, and immediately everybody fucking jumped down his throat. On yeah, it. very. Uh, it, it was a very tone-deaf, and I don't know if look. he said that being an like a like a jerk. Or I if he's just no. genuinely have you, like, to, have you ever seen this man talk on stage? This guy he, thought it was. He seems rad. like the he seems like the sweetest guy ever. He doesn't seem that way. He does. Have you? I've watched some uh, some uh, interviews with him, and he seems very like. I don't know. I don't know what the right word is here, but I don't think he's a tool. At least 
I only you know? talk about this game during an event. We're working six to seven days a week. Nobody's forcing us. Exhaustion, tired, COVID, but we're working. Bugs, glitches, perf fixes. One last pass through audio, 12 to 15 hour days. This is gaming, hard work, lunch, dinner, working. You do it because you love it. Yeah, that's a terrible tweet. <laughs> that's not, that's I don't know not why what we're going to just... highlight in the game industry. No, I don't know why he would say that when literally, like, for the past three years, the main focus in the game industry has been, like, how unhealthy it is for people to work that much. And he's like, yeah, but we're doing it anyway. Like, come on, bro. I like your... Yeah. I want to like your game, but... You want to guess who and, who led the fucking Pitchfork uh, uh, raid on him? Our favorite person, uh, Jason Schreier. Jason Schreier. And oh, he responded God. directly to Jason Schreier saying basically all of that stuff. It's a, it's a real nightmare. And, you know, I will say, you know, I, I work in the healthcare uh, field, so... I'm no stranger to long days. Um, mm -hmm. And I am like a person who, if I'm working a long day and I can get like time and a half for a couple of hours or two that day, I'd be happy to do it. As long as he's not forcing anyone to be there, I don't really see a problem with it. But if there's some sort of like uh, passive aggressive messaging that they have to stay or some sort, like that's when I start to have a problem with it. Like yeah. I... It, it has to be a choice for people to stay that long and they want, they I have agree. to like, you know, it's, it's a gray area in certain aspects at least. Yeah. Yeah. Um, listen, I, I understand where he was coming from on it seeming like it's like showing that there's a dedicated team and yeah, I feel like that kind of thing just comes better from like a small indie team that's passionate about their project. I just don't know how many mm -hmm. people are working under this guy that are just like super amped to be doing this. And it just it yeah. boils down to it, it can be an exception. It is absolutely forbidden for it to be a rule. And it ends up creating a workplace environment where the people that aren't putting in those days or aren't willing to do it are going to be looked at as less than. It creates a toxic yeah. environment. It's unhealthy mm -hmm. in the long run you are better off to have your game take an extra year and work the amount of hours that are normal for a person because at some point that stuff's going to collapse on you. It's not good. And it's yeah, been proven and you know, time and time again. That's why I think he was, people came down on him so fucking hard. Yeah, for sure. And, and there's, there's, there's also a difference. Like I work in the healthcare field, long hours are, 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 are normal. And like, I've been conditioned for it, but a creative field's kind of different because there's a lot of creative burnout, um, mm -hmm. and and it 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 takes a different toll. Like um, you know, if you if you work too long trying to be creative, you just lose it. It's it's a skill that you have to exercise in a very like uh, calculated manner. Um, it's not like me picking drugs for a patient for twelve hours a day. You right. know, um, so it's it's that's a tough tweet. I wish he hadn't made that tweet. I agree. I agree not a great look uh all right that's i ended up giving you fucking 10 minutes on the fucking callisto protocol but at least it was at its expense uh let's dig into moonbreaker i won't spend too much time on this because the truth of the matter is is that you'll be able to find out for yourself in just 14 days this game comes out in early access on the 29th this is a 
really interesting looking tabletop RPG game from the Subnautica developers. Uh, they are Unknown Worlds is the name of them, and I think everybody ex expected another like survival type game like Subnautica, but instead we got Moonbreaker which is super interesting. There's a big layer of customization. It's a tabletop adventure where it is like 100% you are playing on a tabletop to the point of you can paint and customize your little figures, your little, I don't want to, I'm going to get roasted by the tabletop community. I almost called them your little action figures. That sounds so demeaning. Um, but your miniatures, your collectible miniatures, you can customize them and share them online. It just seems like a really cool looking, unique video game and the team behind it seems really passionate. It was a group of people that was working on a certain type of game, which happened to be a survival game, and you'd expect them to go down that route again, but they sat down, they said, what are we all passionate about? What should we make our next game? And they just went in the polar opposite direction. Really cool, really exciting. Yeah. Did you think anything of this? Uh, I probably won't play it, but it looks really cool. Um, yeah. Their studio, I I think this is like a smaller team in, yeah. within their studio that has made this game. Probably. Um, so I'm sure they have something else up their sleeve soon. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and then also, um, they have mentioned like they make, except for Subnautica 1 and then Subnautica Below Zero, yep. um, they they said they made a conscious decision to change genre of games between each of their titles um and that below zero was like a like a, a outlier for them i guess yes um so I, i'm interested to see where this game goes if it's if it gets really good reviews i might check it out on my steam deck yeah that would be a good fit for it feels right yeah all right let's talk about the weirdest fucking first party microsoft game that's ever existed high on life wait is this first party microsoft I mean, it's being it's a Game Pass day one game, I believe official Xbox is publishing it. Um it's oh. developed by Squanch Games and it's got Royland, is that the guy who's behind it? The guy from Rick and Morty that's not Dan Harmon. Yes, and it's got Justin that Rick Royland. and Morty DNA all over it despite not being in that same universe. But when you know, you know. A weird look at this game. They showed off a boss fight basically and some of the most grating dialogue that's ever existed in a video game yet people went nuts for it millions of views on youtube i think that this game is going to hit more than it misses for the people that enjoy it are you that people <laughs> um i liked rick and morty and then it went like really like mainstream and it got really annoying um i don't think this is for me um yeah i if it ever came to playstation i might check it out mm-hmm but I'm just kind of like mm, I'm in the right other now. camp where the fact that it's on Game Pass makes me want to check it out more. The fact that I can have basically no investment in it and give yeah, it a shot, fair. perhaps. Um, yeah. If it came to PlayStation and it was a seventy dollar video game, there would be zero fucking chance that I'd be interested. in No, it, but... I wouldn't pay seventy bucks for it. I, you know what? I bet this will come out on PlayStation in a year and a half to two years on the PS Plus catalog. Yeah. The most um, appealing so. thing to me is actually the gameplay. Like, it actually doesn't yeah. look too bad. It looks like a nice, I don't know, a decent first-person shooter. Um, it's got... I say this every time we talk about this game, where it reminds me a lot of Stranger's Wrath, which had, like, that live ammo thing. You were fighting, like, 
you were shooting literal aliens and animals at people, and it seems like they, you know you talk to your guns, but the humor, you gotta watch trailer for this and decide if this is for you or if it's not. I don't think there's gonna be much middle yeah. ground. I think the people that watch the trailer and love it will end up loving this game. The people that watch the trailer and hate it will end up hating this game. I don't think there are gonna be many people like me that are somewhere in between. So, yeah, might be a and tough sell. you know, if you like Rick and Morty, you'll probably like this game. Um, I think the one thing that I do like about this game is there was a trailer where it was like a little clip. They walked up to this like child and the child's like, what are you going to do? Shoot me. Oh God. I hated and that so much. That made me like, I loved this. that. I was oh, like, you can God. just kill kids in this game. Oh. Uh, that was actually my favorite part of this game so far. Everything else I'm like, man, but well, well, all right. That's why you got two different hosts for this show because we, <laughs> even each other out I, from time to time i think i think the reason i like that so much is all the annoying little children in skyrim that i've wanted to kill since i was 12 years old and <laughs> now finally, i can finally give them their due. i can finally do it all right this is a game that i saw at this thing i thought absolutely nothing of and was beyond surprised to see it pop up whatsoever on your interests yeah. when we were putting the podcast together together i don't yeah. even remember the fucking trailer tell me about deliver us mars uh deliver us mars is like a first slash third person exploration game uh set on mars uh so whoa i'm gonna backtrack just a little bit because this is actually one of the games that i played this month not not deliver us mars but deliver us the moon which is actually the uh first game in this series well, they should have called uh, this deliver us the mars Yes, uh, um, I thought that at first too, and I was like, that doesn't really work grammatically, but you know, I don't care. Um, so yeah, Deliver Us the Moon is the first one. It's on PS4 and PS5, and I'm sure like everything else. It's actually on the PlayStation Plus collection, so I was like, oh, let me check it out. And I actually checked it out. I had it downloaded about a week before this trailer was shown. Um, yeah, so it's a it's an exploration game. You're kind of exploring like a the moon uh imagine that uh where things went bad and you're trying to find like a new energy source kind of um it's, it's a very narrative based game in the yeah. first game you actually don't see anybody's faces uh because it was such a low budget it was actually a kickstarter game originally oh, cool. this is one of the few successful kickstarter games that actually came out Mighty um, number nine yeah, yeah, we don't talk about that game. Uh, but this is just the sequel to Deliver Us the Moon. If you've played Deliver Us the Moon and you want something just the next step up, uh, I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, you can see she has the Tomb Raider ice picks, so that's cool. Um, mm. Yeah, I'm excited for it. I, nice. I don't really have much to say about it. I pass that. Nice. I don't know. I, it's not something that was on my radar. When I watched the trailer again, with you being like passionate about it, I... Yeah am all of a sudden more interested i guess um yeah it's i don't know the so the deliver us the moon is kind of like it's a solid double a game with none of the fluff that triple a games give you like when i'm playing an action adventure game or like a puzzle game or something i just want to experience a story and go from point A to B, and I don't want all this extra crap on the side that slows me down or distracts me. Um, and sure. then, like, this is that kind of game. Like, 
you're gonna get what you're gonna get and it's a it's got a solid start and a solid ending and i really appreciate that hey maybe i'll check out deliver us the moon because it doesn't sound so bad to me to be yeah, quite i think you might actually enjoy it yeah yeah or maybe i won't and hope that that's the game that you recommend for my game of the year we'll see to be determined mm. we are ready to hop in to our next event and mm. it's a pretty interesting one now this was a smaller event this is the last of all the events so we've uh, we've gone through the ubisoft event the playstation event the nintendo event and gamescom opening night live the smallest of all of them was the the first of its kind it was the disney and marvel game showcase so this was a 20 minute live stream that took place uh just last week and it was basically all disney properties so they showed off a number of things, but namely, we've been doing the right thing here and starting off with each event's biggest announcement. And this one, far and away, had one single announcement that was absolutely gigantic, which, I mean, I don't know, maybe you can argue that it was gigantic, but it's Untitled Black Panther Captain America video game from Skydance New Media, which I fucking hate that it doesn't have a title. I've been ragging on that all episode. Tell me why you're excited about this. Um, because I like Black Panther and I like Captain America. Yeah, same. Oh, also because Amy Pascal's behind it. No, it's not Amy Pascal. It's Amy Henning. Or Amy Henning. Sorry. Skydance. It's Media. difficult. It's uh, I don't know. I I say Amy Pascal because she's the like the Star Wars girl. Star Wars girl. No, that's Kathleen right? Kennedy. Don't no, worry Amy about it. Pascal. Talk what maybe, the heck maybe. It's a familiar, Pedro it's a familiar Pascal. name. Pedro Pascal. Oh my God. What the? <laughs> Who is Amy you're on Pascal? It, you're on it. Captain America and Black Panther video game. Uh, talk about who Amy Henning is. Oh, Amy Pascal's the Spider-Man girl. She does a lot of work with Spider-Man. Now it all checks out. Uh, uh, so yeah, put okay. Up, go ahead. Uh, Amy Hennig, Uncharted girl. <laughs> yeah. More importantly, <laughs> Legacy of Kane girl. Really? Dog days? No, that's Kane and Lynch. <laughs> oh, God, Legacy my brain of Kane is, is like the Soul Reaver Blood Omen <laughs> stuff from like the PS2 era. Oh boy, um, I think I just had a stroke. If I'm being honest, I don't know. That's okay. Happened. I'm on it. So this game was announced with basically nothing to show. We just aired the entire trailer, and there nothing happens in it. It takes a uh, really slow panning tour of basically documents and items on a table that ends with captain america's shield and then pans up and shows that there's scratches in it indicating that it's black panther so what this is this is amy henning's new game skydance new media they've been working together for a while on an unannounced game that people have assumed is in the marvel universe it was revealed that this takes place during world war ii and despite it being a single player game you play as four heroes you play as captain america black panther a soldier from captain america's troop of people what is that called what's his captain america's squad a platoon called? no they've got like a fancy name and then uh black panther's fancy squad of protectors as well the uh all-female warriors that stab you with sticks do you know what their name is no do you uh no i don't remember i had it, it we're right fucking there, killing this it. segment <laughs> on the <laughs> game that you're super um, excited for i was really banking oh on God. you for this one so 
the long and short of it is, is that this game has an interesting concept. It comes from a veteran team that allegedly is good at making video games. Time will tell. I think they showed this game way too early. They can't even give it a name. It makes it hard to talk about it, as evident by my counterpart over here struggling to do so. It is... Uh, the Dora, Dora Milaje? Dora Milaje. That sounds right. I don't think right. I'm pronouncing it right, but yeah. You're doing pretty well. That's the right name. Um... I don't know. I don't have much to talk about this game because they didn't give us much to talk about. It seems like an interesting concept. Time will tell. I feel like we've given it more time than they were willing to give us about their fucking video game. They, they didn't even give us a code it. name. No, code name Jade. Code name. Code name. Code name Hennig. Yeah, code name. That's what code it name is. Panther, Captain Panther. Um. So this was this was Colin's big pick for the coolest of the announcements for me. I go in a much different direction. I think the coolest announcement was Disney's Illusion Island. This is so rad to me. Do you ever heard, have you ever heard of uh, Castle of Illusion, the Mickey games from mm -hmm. back in the day? No, I have not. There are a pair of them. They were side-scrolling platformer games. This is kind of a spiritual successor to that. It is a really interesting take on... I don't know, Mickey, Minnie, Donald, and Goofy playing in a side-scrolling adventure game. The game has a really interesting art style, and I think the best comparison that I can make for it is that it looks a little bit like Rayman Legends or Rayman Origins, those remakes or reboots of the Rayman series from like six or seven years ago. It's a 2D action side-scroller, four-player co-op, bright, it's colorful, it looks fun, it looks fast. Not too much to go off of, but a really nice look at, I don't know, kind of the rebirth of a fucking franchise that I think deserves to exist. It looks really, really cool. Worth checking out the trailer if you're into platformers at all. Uh, Illusion Island, baby. Good shit. Good yeah. shit. Uh, outside of that, for the Disney event, they showed off a lot of stuff that we've kind of already seen, to be quite honest. We have slides for them. I don't think there's really too much that we need to spend time on for them right now. Just basically Midnight Suns, which we all assumed got delayed into next year when we were talking last episode. Uh, it missed its October time frame and it got delayed into fiscal quarter four, which we thought meant basically January, February. Somehow that's not the case. It's going to launch on December 2nd, so... Midnight Suns will make it this year. They also announced the Marvel card game. Marvel Snap is coming out of beta and getting a wide release on October 18th. Outside of that, at the Disney event, they showed off a bunch of stuff that we were already sort of expecting. They had like the Dreamlight Valley update with Toy Story characters, which looks fun. They showed off uh, Monsters, Inc. is coming to Disney Speedstorm, which still doesn't have a release date, but that game is pretty fun to play as well. Mostly just a collection of little updates on Disney games. Hopefully they have a better showing next year. Cool that it was its own little standalone event, but as you can tell, not too much of substance. Yeah, Overall, I was impressed. I would say the weakest of the uh, five events that we just covered. Yeah. That's for sure. But, goddamn, that's just the events. We still have to talk about what we've been playing. So let me ask you, Colin, what you been playing, man? We're finally at that point. Uh, so we checked out... The Splatoon Ooh. 3 Splatfest, right? Hell yeah, we did. Hell yeah, we did. Um, and I've checked out the entire game. Uh, the entire before game. I start ranting about how awesome Splatoon is, which you guys, spoiler alert, already knew I was going to think if you listened to last month's episode, what did you think of your time with Splatoon? 
I had fun with it. Um, yeah. It was it was definitely fun for what it was. I'd never played a Splatoon before. Yeah, I had spent very little time with Splatoon, and I was really pleasantly surprised. So they did that Splatfest that we talked about where it was just one day. It was basically their open beta. It was 12 hours long, and you could hop in and play the online mode with full functionality and like a wide variety of weapons already unlocked for you, which was really cool to kind of experiment with. And I was surprised at how much fun I had playing a multiplayer shooter that kind of had like a little extra twist to it. Like I liked that it wasn't just deathmatch or like control the points. The idea of like having the most real estate is super fucking fun with those guns, man. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, uh, I'm not good at the PvP part, but I can spray the ground really well. That's all you need to do, and if you spray that ground long enough, eventually an enemy will run into that reticle and you'll feel really good about it. But yeah. uh, playing that enough with you, and we play with Freight, former guest of the show, we all kind of hopped in there and messed around, sold me on the full version of the game. So I went and I picked it up, and I am so pleasantly surprised at how much of a complete package Splatoon 3 is. I've been having an absolute blast with it. What's nice about Splatoon is that it's a really slick and like quick-moving Nintendo product. You guys know how it is these days when you hop into like fucking like Warzone to play a match. You're basically hopping in and you're loading up that game for seven minutes until you find a lobby. Then you're dropping in and your game is either going to be like 10 seconds long or 40 minutes long until you're at the end of it. Splatoon is tight, man. From the second that I press on on my Switch, within 60 seconds, I'm in a multiplayer game and that multiplayer game is three minutes long. I've really had a blast like hopping in there for 15 minutes and just playing four multiplayer games and then going to something else. But at the same time, I've had sessions where I hop in for three or four hours and play dozens of games as well. I am over the moon about Splatoon 3. I think that it's absolutely popping up on my game of the year list once I hash things out. And in addition to just that multiplayer suite, the Salmon Run PvE mode, which is kind of like a horde mode, like a Gears of War horde mode, like a wave clearing type of mode, is super fun. The single player story is surprisingly engaging it's kind of like a big hub world where you unlock different time trial based levels that are sort of like challenges the amount of things that there are to do in this game it's honestly staggering it's got a really fun progression system where you start off with only one weapon and then every time you level up you get a ticket that you can redeem for another weapon so it does a really great job of like trickling content into like your game and then the customization options are really cool too because not only do you get things that look cool but you spend your time basically leveling up those things and rolling new stats for them so you're kind of constantly swapping things in and out trying to get buffs that make sense for the build or the weapon that you play does a lot of really unique things um splatoon is it's tough that they don't have a demo out at all times really you had that one opportunity that we talked about on the last show to check the game out for a couple hours and then everything else is spend 60 bucks and see if you like it. I wish that I could yeah. say go play that story demo and see if it works for you, but that just doesn't exist unfortunately. My advice to you at home if you're not in on Splatoon is make a friend with Splatoon and try that game out with them because I really am passionate about it. I think it's a really fucking fun game. It's been Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to go make be a, become friends with somebody and only use them for their splatoon 3 copy i wouldn't knock you for it man i think that it would be worth it for you to just link up with them for that explicit reason but yeah i mean i i've had a blast with every moment that i've spent with it in every mode that i've spent with it and 
I just, it is the most comprehensive package. It's the best I've felt about spending 60 bucks on a game in a really long time from Nintendo. Nintendo is like, for me, notorious for like, I'll buy a game for 60 bucks, I'll play it for 10 hours, beat it, and then just be done with it. Like, Kirby is my one of my games of the year so far. It's in my top five. I haven't even beat the game yet, which I fully plan to by end of the year. I know that I love it, but I've only played it for like eight hours. And that's enough for me to know what it offers. But Splatoon has all of what Kirby has to offer as far as like a single player goes, but just has that multiplayer aspect that Nintendo doesn't often bring to the table, which is really rad. So are you telling me that you feel like you wasted money spending 60 bucks on Xenoblade Chronicles 3? That's a bad transition because I don't want to rant about Xenoblade yet. I'll let you have a shot first. I I, I do not uh, feel that way. Wait till you hear my playtime for Xenoblade. I wasn't trying to transition. I was trying to just trap you in a statement that you made. Um, No, no, no. I spent far more than eight hours on Xenoblade, I'll tell you that much. (laughs) Now, while Um, we're on the topic of how much time we've put into games that we adore, why don't you talk to us I was about to say, if you want to make a a dig about spending money on something and not putting time into it, um, I, I bought Last of Us Part 1, and it's very good. I've played it for about two hours. Um, it's, what, what? I mean, it's literally like, I mean, obviously, it's the best version of The Last of Us. Yeah. Um, if you've never played The Last of Us, this is the one that you want to play. Mm-hmm. Um it's beautiful. It runs so smoothly. Um, it's actually funny. I started streaming this game, and it broke my stream setup because it outputs at 120 hertz, and my monitor can't handle 120 hertz. So it broke my my <laughs> my streaming stuff because it was just too good. Game is um, too good. Yeah, it's not often you can say about say that about a game, but um, I mean, this is the definitive version of The Last of Us. Uh, one of the best stories, if not the best story in gaming. Um, I adore it. Um, I will be playing more of it, and we'll kind of get into the f- reason why I haven't played that much uh, once we get into what else I've been playing. Um, sure. But man, this is, it's a good game. Is it worth 70 bucks? You got to make that call for yourself. But yeah. for me, I think it was. Yeah, it's a tough situation. I think I've on the show even said where I stand on it. I think the next time that I am yearning to play The Last of Us, I will play it in this fashion. But this is not a game that came out for me where I am like, holy shit, I need to go play the new remake of The Last of Us. The game is only 10 years old. I've replayed it since then when I was in the mood for it. It is great. It's one of the best video game stories of all time. It plays pretty well. It holds up to the test of time, even its original form. The fact that it got a new coat of paint is great, but there is nothing that is compelling me to go and play through that dreary nightmare of a video game right now. Mm, as much as I love so it. so good. And I do. I do the, love The Last of Us Part it, 1. It makes you so emotional no matter, no matter how many times you play it. It just yeah, hits you just of course. right. I think maybe I will take that trip to replay it when the last of us tv show ramps up like i'll probably Mm, be in that mood it'll be interesting to like compare it and have that fresh in my head which is maybe why this game exists because hbo is gonna be making a big push for the last of us yeah the it was actually really heartwarming to see a little bit of tv hbo does their like the new house of the dragon came out and before house of the dragon hbo airs their big like look what's coming up on hbo succession season four house of the dragon and their big like ramp up at the end and it was like and coming this fall 
The Last of Us. Like, it, it had, like, a nice extended look at The Last of Us TV show. Uh, cool to see a video game adaption getting that much play. They're really passionate about it, and they've got a lot of money behind it. And it looks like it's going to be fantastic. I mean, we already know the story, and it slaps. So. Yeah. And I, I think The Last of Us TV show has the possibility to be the best video yeah. game adaptation. Yeah, it's um, entirely possible. Yeah. You think it can uh, we'll beat see. Sonic the Hedgehog? We'll uh absolutely not um i don't know does it had does it have idris elba in it i don't think so no yeah you're right you're right idris it Elba's doesn't pretty, pretty what good. a nightmare it does have pedro pascal though and i love that man that does mean quite a bit you got yeah. a point there all right we have breaking news here at game list speaking about quite a bit I put, since our last episode, about 55 hours into Xenoblade Chronicles 3, a game that was barely on my radar. I Wait, how many hours? About 55. Is that total or just since the last episode? I started it since the last episode. Oh, okay, okay. So total, yeah. Okay. Um, this is a game that I kind of made fun of. I've never played a game in the Xenoblade Chronicles series. I've always looked at it and been like, eh, anime bullshit, not for me. It's always been on the cusp of being something that I could be interested in, but it never quite clicked for me. I found myself on vacation for an extended period of time, as you guys know from our last episode, and I was looking for something to sink my teeth into. Xenoblade had just come out. It's the newest, hottest RPG. I watched a single video review on it from IGN, and I said, you know what? I think I can get into this, and goddamn was I right. Xenoblade Chronicles 3 is my fucking game of the year right now. I don't know if anything could dethrone wow. it. I like it more than Elden Ring. I like it more than Pokemon Legends. I like it more than Kirby. It is the most it, absorbed man. in a JRPG that I have been in since Final Fantasy VII Remake, and from before that, Dragon Quest XI. Before that, maybe Final Fantasy XV. I adore this video game i really am going to struggle to make it known how much i like it i feel like and what i really want to challenge you to do is to kind of interview me about this game if you can yeah. ask some leading questions because i have a lot to say yeah. about it and i don't want to ramble on for too long but let me do like a little bit of table setting the first thing that i'll say is that nintendo directs as of late specifically the nintendo directs that are focused on a single game have been really really impressive as far as showing you what their new game has to offer and there's a 25 minute nintendo direct where if you were on the fence about xenoblade chronicles 3 if you're wondering if this is the game for you it takes a long time 25 minutes in fact to really dig into everything that this game has to offer the battle system the story the way that everything works it is a extremely impressive summary of what this game has to offer all packed into one little show so I guess I'll talk a little bit about like the story of Xenoblade Chronicles 3 and keep in mind that I don't have experience with the previous two. What's nice about these games is that they are very much in the same vein as like a Dragon Quest or a Final Fantasy. They don't have like a completely uh like narrative that's dependent completely on the previous game although apparently there are tie-ins towards the end nothing was lost on me as an individual playing this one for the first time i played it obviously at ad nauseum and uh was not lost or did i feel like anything was like detracted from my experience just playing this third one the story is super engaging you play 
in a world where essentially there are two factions, two armies, the Kevis and the Agnes. You play as a group of three kids from the Kevis region who are in eternal warfare with the Agnes region. The hook of this game is that all of the characters that you play as that are in this world have a life expectancy or a not even a life expectancy, their lives are only 10 years. So you go from being 14 years old to 24 years old. At 24 years old, you either already died or you're sent off kind of similar to the way that Yuna sends people in Final Fantasy X, if you're familiar with that concept. She kind of does like a little dance and like sends their souls into like the afterlife or whatever. So you play as these characters that are basically born and bred just in existence to be soldiers and to fight. And things are kind of thrown for a loop when you take your three characters. This is minor spoilers that are all disclosed in the Nintendo Direct that explains the game that you stumble upon within the first three hours of the game. You take your three main characters, you travel to this mission, you meet three characters that kind of seem like you're the yin to your yang at this location while you're on this mission. And the whole world is thrown upside down when they meet a soldier from neither of their factions, the Kevis or the Agnes, and that person appears to be visually in their like 50s. These are people that don't have a concept of growing old whatsoever because everyone that they've ever known has been a maximum of 24 years old. So they see a guy with wrinkles and facial hair and it throws the fucking game into hyperdrive. Yeah. Outside of that, wild shit starts to happen. Uh, what were you gonna say? Um, well, I was, I was just going to give you some, uh, some trivia on this game. Sure. Um, so do you think, you know, they're, they're okay. How am I going to phrase this? Uh, their voice actors are, are British. Do you know why they're British? I think it's a European studio monolith soft that develops the games. Yeah. So originally whenever it was going to be, uh, localized it, it, yeah. it's a it's a japanese studio um yeah but when it was going to okay. be localized it was it was cheaper to localize it in england than in like america it was cheaper to get like english voice talents um so yeah. it, they they ended up localizing it in british accents and uh it just kind of stuck so they they kept uh they kept the british accents throughout the series um which you know is cool and all, I guess. But do you think these characters are crying for the queen right now? Most definitely. They're at least quite crying for their queens because the queens of the game are uh, a big deal of each of the individual things. What's really interesting about this series in general is like, if you know anything about the Xeno series, they are loosely connected. So it started with Xeno Gears, which was originally developed yep. as Final Fantasy VII. Final Fantasy VII. Xeno Gears yeah. was developed as this game and they said it's too far off, make it its own thing. And Xenogears came out and was wildly popular. And there was a big like yep. thing about what to do next. They ended up developing Xenosaga for a different developer, no longer published by Square Enix. Xenosaga ran three games. There was anime based off of it. It was like a PS2 franchise that had kind of honestly like mixed results. Uh, Again, that's a spiritual successor to Xenogears. Xenosaga ends, Monolith Soft is picked up by Nintendo as a first-party developer, and they start the 
Xenoblade franchise. The original Xenoblade Chronicles came out for the Wii in Japan and in Europe, as you were saying, and it actually didn't come to America until nearly like a year and a half later when it was eventually ported over via like a fan outcry, please bring this awesome video game to us. And they did, and yeah. it was a huge hit, which has, of course, spawned Xenoblade Chronicles X, which is kind of like a side story. Xenoblade Chronicles 2, which came to Switch day and date, along with the Japanese and the European version. And then they did a definitive version of the Wii game for the Switch, and now we have Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Good piece of trivia. Yeah, I I do love the, aside from Xenoblade Chronicles X, mm-hmm. the like parody and the box art between 1, 2, and 3. Yeah, where yeah. It is just like this small guy standing on a giant like grassy hill with some like mech in the background or something. Yeah, um, it's actually a uh, very cool like world that they set up. All the worlds are very like distinct. You look at them and like I remember I think we watched we did like a gameless reacts for the Nintendo event that debuted this game. They closed it out with this and we both kind of poo pooed at it. But if there's anything that you can say for it is that once this game kind of started to show what it was for Xenoblade Chronicles 3 before the title came up, both of us were able to say that Xenoblade 3 just by looking at the environment. Uh, yeah. The game takes place on the whole world that you see is on the back of like a giant animal or mech, basically. Okay. So everything that you're seeing is like an actual living being or a being okay. that's like frozen in time and there's like smaller still gigantic beings that live on this thing's back and there's like the little people basically that are in existence on So them. is this like a open world or is it like an open area game? Very much uh well I guess they're open areas but there's like one interconnecting world with different areas in it. They are absolutely massive huge emphasis on exploration. Think like I guess you could kind of compare it to like Breath of the Wild. The traversal is a little bit different. You're not really like go anywhere, do anything. The world is gated off in verticality more than like horizontal orientation. There is a lot of like looking at your map and you'll see like, okay, I'm on the spot, but it's either on this ledge above me on this cliff way the fuck up there or on this bridge that's even higher up. And the way that you explore more of the world is by unlocking new traversal abilities. So it could be like climbing vines or jumping on a geyser or you know different ways that you can basically traverse and access these new areas a really cool way of doing it too and the worlds are a a spectacle for the switch even it looks fantastic so xenoblade 2 i i played a little bit of it i wasn't a huge fan of the combat because it's kind of like combo based yeah. almost it's it's very odd combat like something it I'm is. Not very it took a with. second for me to figure it out i was a little turned off by it until it clicked so the way that the combat works is it's a action rpg it's not turn-based so when you fight an enemy the action just kind of starts and then if you get in within range you are auto attacking your character is automatically smashing them with your weapon and then the combat is based around your abilities which you'll have I think seven or eight of them that are mapped to both the D-pad and your face buttons. And it revolves around chaining attacks and canceling auto attacks. So essentially what you end up in is like this little like, it almost feels like a rhythm game, like a balance where you're paying attention to your character's animation. And as soon as they swing the sword and make contact, you want to cast one of your abilities. And then when that ability hits, you want to cast your next ability. So you end up in this really nice flow of like, you're hitting like A, Y, down on the D-pad, 
X right on the D-pad, up on the D-pad. So as things like finish, you're sort of like in this flow state of smashing these attacks together, and it makes for some really satisfying combos. The battle system ended up being one of the most engaging RPG battle systems that I've ever fucking experienced. I absolutely adored it. Okay. Really, really cool. Um, And then... Oh, God, I just went blank on my last question. I had it, and then it's That's gone. okay. Uh, I guess the thing that I yeah. kind of want to close with is that it is anime bullshit and it is a gigantic like sprawling rpg like it is thoroughly massive in scale and i did a lot of side questing until the side quests kind of burnt me out there are quite literally hundreds of hours that you can sink into this game if you so desire but i ended up doing like side quests until they were overwhelming and then kind of just mashed the msq until it was all finished main story quest so I got it done a okay. lot faster than most do. I think a lot of people credit this as about a 100-hour game. I got it done in just around 60, 55, 60. And that's by basically ignoring and just kind of grinding. There were like a couple things that stopped me. It was the first time that I tried to do side quests, and the side quests punish you a little bit. If you end up over-leveled, um, you won't gain experience from fights in the main story quest. So you'll be kind of like resigned to doing side quests so that you can kind of continue progression for each of the characters. One of the things that I want to mention that just from like a JRPG standpoint that was super impressive about this game is that everything that happens in like a JRPG that you'd expect has an in-game reasoning for how it works. What it does, I think very uniquely to Xenoblade and that I haven't really seen done in other games is the way that like the class systems and the party systems work. So mm -hmm. you have like a, you know, an eye chip thing is why you like see the world. It's like your UI basically. And all of the characters when they start, they can view each other and you'll see like a sword above the main character's head, Noah, and he's like a warrior class. And then you'll see a gun over somebody else's head and they're the gunner class. And then the way that you unlock classes is by recruiting a seventh party member. So you have six that are static all the time. And then there's, I believe, 30 or so additional characters that you recruit. They're called your hero character. And what happens is, is you'll recruit this character and that character will come in with a brand new class in a cool fucking outfit, right? And then the more that you spend time with these characters, the little bar on their UI will fill up. So as long as your characters are fighting alongside this hero character, eventually as they see this character fight, they'll unlock that class for themselves, including that outfit. So it starts to lend this like, obviously it's fun to get new party members and new characters, but it started to lead to this thing. Like by the time I got the third or fourth and I realized how the system worked, I was so fucking amped every time I saw someone show up with like a dope sword or like a cool outfit. I was like, oh, I'm getting this shit. This is going to be, you know, Lance's new role. No doubt about it. Made for such a satisfying, like breadcrumb trail. The further you got into the game, every time you'd meet a new character, you would get super amped off of like, what's coming next for your core party just does a really good job of all those sorts of like things that you would see as like tropes and standard jrpgs and feeding yeah. it into the world and making it feel like a natural progression like it makes sense that if you saw this person fight with a bow staff for long enough you would sort of understand those moves and eventually you would be able to become skilled with the bow staff if you did that for long enough um the coolest part about it that I'm not talking about yet that I just want to mention is this Ouroboros thing. It's like their word for it. This game adds this like Pacific Rim style thing. I talked about it earlier in the show when we were talking about Fire Emblem. Remember we talked about like the team ups yeah. that are happening? So mm -hmm. basically all of your characters, your six characters, they all sort of have like a counterpart. They were three and three from the two things, the two like countries. 
those characters can team up with one another and basically create like a mech think like have you ever seen pacific rim yeah you know how they do like a mind link thing and they hop into the mech and they control it together it's that but there's three sets of them so at any point in the battle once you like fill up the gauge you can transform into this mech and two characters become one and they become this overpowered fucking nightmare killing machine that you control the same way it's not like a summon like final fantasy it's you actually Mm -hmm. hop into this mech and you get a whole brand new move set with your face buttons and you're rattling off commands in the same way as you fight super fucking satisfying just a very cool Um, video game and and one last thing um i sent you a picture on discord one time and it mm-hmm. was of the UI of this game. Yeah, that yeah. that is what tipped me over the edge of I'm not interested. Really uh, how is that managed in game? So it does have a pretty busy UI, but uh, that UI is only for the battle sections of the game, and a lot of it is. So when you're actually running around, you do have a very clear view of everything around you. I think it's hindered a little bit by the fact that it's also a switch game so that the ui is yeah. sort of made to be working in handheld mode or in like full display mode but a lot of what you see on the screen and when you sent me that picture of like the overwhelming ui you can see a lot of it in the trailer still it's there but it's all yeah. hooked basically to triggers to like hot commands so you'll have to hold down one of the triggers to bring up that menu and that will allow you to select whatever like arts you're using at that time which is like your special moves when you're in the overworld, generally, it's a pretty clear thing. You'll just have your status on the top left and your minimap on the top right. But as you progress through the game, uh, you'll kind of get better and better at using those like trigger commands so they won't be up as much. You'll kind of just be like pressing that trigger and your muscle memory will be like, it's hold L2 and press X will be the move that I want to do right now. And then you'll release that. You won't see it for as long. So, you know, truly the, the combat, the, the combat in this game kind of sounds a lot like the combat in uh tales of arise mm, um mm-hmm. and the way it works out so i'd be interested if you ever played that yeah how they related i remember when we talked about it you were like i don't know if i can get into it i just played tales of arise and it sounds like the same thing where it's like two warring kingdoms and uh the the best thing that i can say about it without going into like spoiler territory is that the places that the story goes are fucking wild a real like out there sci-fi high fantasy shit that's happening and the surface conflict that the game opens with and that I just went through like explaining to you about like these two kingdoms and these warring factions is very much not the like catalyst of what moves the game forward um it's not a spoiler it's what nintendo talked about as far as like these two clashing once they realize that there are people that are older than them and that perhaps these two kingdoms are not what they seem it's kind of unraveling that mystery that propels the game forward. It's pretty funny because that's uh, almost exactly what happens in Tales of Arise. I'm sure they really extremely different places, but yeah, it's the yeah. anime thing of here's the setup and here's something that's going to absolutely blow your mind to follow through with. Yeah, so. it does that, but it also does a really great job of like, there were a few times where it very deliberately will like dangle something in front of you and it the game on multiple occasions made me feel like I was outsmarting it and I was like oh I know where they're going with this they're gonna have it's gonna be the twist where this happens and then that twist doesn't happen and they wanted you to think that that was the twist that was coming and it's a very left field fucking twist the game's story is a legitimate 10 out of 10 and the game itself is a 10 out of 10 for me like all 
the, the sum of its parts make it a very perfect game, but it also, a lot of those parts are individually incredible as well. You don't watch much anime, do you? I don't watch any anime. Okay, that explains it. That maybe That's I what just, anime is. Maybe I just that's became what a secret anime, anime fan, but... Yeah, I, that, I mean, literally, that's what anime is, is you are like, okay, <laughs> this is what it is. I've got it figured out. Oh, dang, what just happened? I don't have it figured out anymore. Yeah. Oh, now I do. Nope, I don't know what's going on. Yeah, um, I get it. Maybe like I need anime. to play some more of that kind of stuff and start watching it because I love Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Yeah. And I wanted to spend ample time on it because this is a show about our game of the year list, one game at a time, one month at a time, over the year. And I think that... I owe it its due. You know, we spent an hour talking about Elden Ring, which was at the top of my list or in the top three, basically. And Xenoblade, I know, is not something that you may end up checking out by the end of the year. And I wanted to make sure that yeah. it got its due on the show because I am extremely passionate about that game. And it is no joking matter, not pulling any punches or anything like that. It's my game of the year, and it's the most fun I've had with a game since 7 Remake in 2020. So. I, you know, I can't help but feel a little offended because we played Elden Ring together. I know, I know, I had a great time. Elden Ring is a phenomenal video game, but it's no Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Name me one Welsh cat girl that exists in Elden Ring, and I'll change my mind. Oh, I do love cat girls. Well, there's two in this, so... No. <laughs> Got them. Got them. Uh, I... I adore it. Xenoblade 3, baby. I can't wait for Xenoblade 4 or whatever comes next. The next thing that they're going to end up doing is... Xenoblade Chronicles 2 came out, and then there was a... DLC expansion that doubled as a standalone prequel game as well, which is super exciting. So I'm assuming the DLC for this will follow suit where there'll be a standalone adventure that you can have in the near future. Actually, um, in the Nintendo Direct, they announced a new character coming. They did. A little three. bug girl is coming. And yeah, more like importantly, they announced bathing suits for the whole squad. Whoa, <laughs> they had that in Tales of Arise, too. Oh, uh, anime go anime. Anime right. is great, dude. All right, that's Xenoblade. That's my Xenoblade rant. Please, if it is like at all dude, the something sun that is coming you, up. Oh my god! If it's at all something that I... interests you, play Xenoblade Chronicles Three. If any of that sounded appealing, you gotta get in. It's fucking awesome. It's awesome. All right, you been playing Roller Drum? Um, I played the trial of Roller Drum. Count it. I haven't even yeah, checked it so... out, and this was something that was hugely on my radar. What's the deal? Is it sweet? Um, it's pretty fun. I'm. I think you'll like it more than me because you like Tony Hawk. I do um, like Tony Hawk. It's it's Tony Hawk with oh. guns, and you oh, can't. Fall. You're saying the like right you, thing. You can't fail. Like if you do a trick, you're gonna land it no matter what. It just automatically kind of realigns you. Mm -hmm. So there's no like penalty for trying too hard in this game. Uh, the worst that can happen is you jump off the map or you get shot by one of the things um, yeah. that you're fighting. But uh, it's a really fun game. My trial was only 30 minutes, and I made it about, uh, I'd say, probably a fifth of the way through the game just based on, like, the level select area. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah, so it's it's a shorter game, uh, but it's it's got a lot of, like, mastery to it. So yeah. you go it's into a level. killer style to it absolutely and and the fun thing is i, I think that my favorite thing about this game it's it's like a gig one single gig like yeah, it is tiny um but it, it you're pretty you're pretty much you're it's like a post apocalyptic i don't want to say post-apocalyptic it's um yeah. 
I don't know. It's like a dystopian. Yeah, dystopian is a better word for it. Where uh, you're you're uh, you're competing in sport of killing other people in this roller drome, um, and you're just working your way to the top, trying to win like the championship. Nice. Uh, I really want to. I, w- I really want you to play it to see how you feel about it. I have not bought the full game yet. Um, I don't know if I will because I, the controls were a little hard for me to get in my, you know, I, in the 35 minutes I spent with it, I couldn't quite get a handle on the controls. Uh, but I've also never played a Tony Hawk game, so it might come more naturally sure. to you. Yeah, I'm interested to see what the controls are. I will definitely be checking out this game by the end of the year, no doubt. Uh, just yeah. one of the ones that I missed while I was on vacation. doesn't have a Switch version, so I didn't have the ability to play it. And I was like, yeah. I guess a little sunk into the single blade or whatever. Yeah, it's also true. <laughs> Nice. Also it sounds like it's worth checking out, and I'm excited to do yeah. so. Um, Very good. I've been playing Tinykin. Do you have any idea what this video game is? Uh, it's like a Pikmin game, yeah? Kind of, yeah. It definitely, it is kind of like a Pikmin game, and that's the best way to sort of, like, explain what Tinykin is. The thing that it's different about is, like, I would say Pikmin is more of, like, a puzzle strategy game and this is more of like a puzzle platformer there's no time limit or anything like that it's very much just like an open world there's no enemies to fight or anything like that the only way that you can die is if you like jump off of a high point but even then you can break your fall with like a glide type button it is a very just video game ass video game you are a tiny person in a big world you're using these little aliens that you collect to solve puzzles and traverse the world unlock secrets collect all the stuff it is just a satisfying game it is i'm truly i only got through the first world of like i think if i were to guess probably five or six worlds uh it's got a little bit of a hub area the time that I spent in it was so fun that I 100%ed the first world, which is why I probably put more time into it than it mm. feels like. It is just one of those games where all the collectibles just make a lot of sense, and the more that you open things up, the more that you like them. They're really big individual worlds, which is fun. What ends up happening is like you're dumped into this gigantic environment. The first one is like a bedroom, basically. And you look around and there's like collectibles as far as the eye can see. There's so much to do. It's almost overwhelming. And by the time you're done slowly expanding this level and opening up cupboards and getting under things, you start to like know the environment really well. You've gone through yeah. the same places multiple times, but each time with different layers and new things opened and new abilities. It's just got a really nice sense of discovery to the point of like, as I wrapped up the level, I just knew I was like, we got to check under the bed and over the chair. And then the plant in the back left section is all stuff that we need to check off. Tinykin is a nearly perfect little video game. And <laughs> I know it sounds wild. It's also going to make my fucking goatee list as of right now. I mean, it could slide down depending on how Sonic and God of War and all these other games are. But uh, as of right now, it's sitting somewhere in that top 10 love and Tinykin. Yeah. High recommendation. Yeah. Uh, if you like puzzle platformers cute. at all, really good. And also on Game Pass, which is great. Nice yeah, to have. Very cute. All right. It's, it's your big moment. You've been alluding to it for a while My now. I have you have been obsessed references. with yeah. Destiny 2. With Destiny 2017's man. Destiny Dunce. I don't know what's up. What is? Man, I you know I mentioned a couple times. Did I mention it on the last podcast? Maybe. Uh, I've said it a couple places where it's like I kind of want to play Destiny Two. I think you might like have I, said that. Yeah. I think I said it on the last podcast. Um, 
or maybe one of the shows that we reacted to. Um, and then there was the un, there was an re- announcement for Lightfall yeah. at opening night live. Yeah, and I think I, at I, that I think point that was at the Microsoft show or something like that. Was it okay? I couldn't remember. I think it was before um, that. Well, it wasn't the Microsoft show because they're owned by Sony. You're right. It might have been. <laughs> I don't might, know. I think it was at Summer it Games was... Fest. It was at Summer Games Fest, I believe. We covered it in a previous okay. episode, and we covered Gamescom this time. So it wasn't in the last month, but they showed off that trailer recently for sure. I don't remember. It might yeah, have been. So... You know what? It might have been at Gamescom. I think you it might was. Be right. I think it right. was. Anyway, they announced Lightfall, we'll call... and it does yeah. look fucking sweet. Yeah. I'll show Lightfall yeah. trailer as B-roll as well as the Witch Queen trailer that we're watching uh, right okay. this moment. Um, but yeah, so Lightfall trailer comes out and it's like, ooh, you're in a cyberpunk looking city or like maybe like a like a Blade Runner city. Lots of neon. Yeah. Um, and you get got like a new grapple ability. And I'm like, oh man, anything with a grapple is good. I love grapples in any games. Um and then I was like, well, it is free, so I guess I could download it and play it. Um, pretty much, this is the reason I haven't played any other game this month. Uh, every second that I have to play games, I'm playing Destiny. Um, I, I'm, I'm obsessed with it. Um, it's such good shooting mechanics. There's such a good sense of progression. Destiny There's is always. Smooth. Yeah, there's always a bar that you're filling up of some sort, which is just what I love. I love mm-hmm. filling up that bar to keep moving on. Um, the, the the social aspects of it, getting in a clan, hopping on at night, and just hopping into a fire team, and uh, just going through the motions, killing stuff, getting some loot, seeing if your loot's any good, doing it all over again, hitting those daily quests... Yeah, I don't know what it is. It's just itching that part of my brain that I've never had before in a video game. Like I've played Borderlands, I've played, um, unfortunately, uh, Outriders. Um, yeah, both of which are like looter shooters, but this game just does it better, and I don't know how yeah. to explain it. I mean, I it's, I think it's because this one's the granddaddy. This is like the is, coming out yeah. party of games as a service. I mean, obviously that was kind of more Destiny One than Destiny Two. And Destiny 2 has taken the ball and run with it, but they're, it's a time-honored yeah. tradition at this point. They've been doing it for a long time. Um, mm-hmm. How much do you have an idea of how much of the content that you're playing, is it new or is it stuff from the original Destiny 2? How um, far into the so, game are you? So I have currently only bought the Witch Queen DLC, which is the newest one that came out this year, mm-hmm. and this current uh, season pass. So more or less, that's what I've been playing for the most part. Yeah. Um, I'm definitely going to buy all the other expansions. Unfortunately, I literally bought this. I bought the Witch Queen the day after it went off sale, and I was so mad. I was like, it's, it's not though. on sale anymore? Are you kidding me? Yeah, so I'm I'm trying my best to wait until the next sale to get the rest of the stuff. Um, but this game is 100% on my game of the year list. Um, I hope I stick with this game for good. Like, I want to play this game until Destiny 3 comes out. Um <laughs> I'm so excited about the new expansion. I'm trying to get all my friends into it. I got yeah. you to play it for a couple hours. I did hop um, in. It's yeah, still good. It's it fun is. to shoot stuff, man. Destiny has it down. It's, so it's Bungie. Good. It's Old Guard Bungie. It's the guys that did Halo 2, 3, yeah. 1, Reach, you know, the, the best Halos, ODST. basically. Yep. Yeah. Yep. It's, um, it's a very I, impressive game, and it still feels fluid to play. I am amazed that this can come out of one studio 
Like, I look at Call of Duty and they've got like 12 studios working on a single game at one point. But yeah. this game has so much. Like, it, ha it, it is a beefy game. If you want to play something, there's always going to be something to play. If you get tired of running strikes, you can hop into some PvP. Or if you want a little mix of both, you can get some Gambit with some PvE and yeah. PvP. Yep. There's raids, which I haven't even played a raid yet because I don't have, like, a, a fire team of six to, to run a raid with. But it's like, I'm working up to get to the point where I can hit a raid. And once I get some people to hit a raid with, I can't wait, you know? Um, yeah. I, I'm obsessed with this game and I want to keep playing it. And I, I bring it up in every conversation have for the you, past month. Do you have anything to say about like the barrier of entry? Any frustrations? Um, it, so I think the biggest barrier of entry is just like the overwhelming amount of stuff you're presented with. Yeah. Um, so that's what it gets I stuck with for. it. Yeah. There, there's a ton of stuff. And you know, it's it's a lose-lose situation for them because they vaulted some stuff to lower the barrier of entry and mm -hmm. then they got hate for vaulting stuff, which I understand they shouldn't have vaulted stuff. Um, uh, and then, you know, there's a lot to it, but it, it, if you just kind of keep at it, you'll have it all under control in about a week. Mm -hmm. um, they do a nice thing of when you load up the game, if you haven't ever played or if you haven't played since season one or whatever, if you haven't played since Forspoken, um, for spoken, forsaken. <laughs> um, then they give you a set of weapons and armor to get you up to speed. Yeah. Um, and then you can start nice. grinding out. Yeah. Then you can start grinding out for like the, the, the cap for this season. Right. Um, so you're not grinding up from 1300 to 1600. You're starting at 1540 and moving up from there. Yeah. Um, it's one of those so, games that I think like you kind of need a Sherpa for you need like a friend that's into it to sort of show yeah. you the ropes reminds me a lot i mean obviously i compare it to final fantasy 14 a lot which is it's a game that benefits from social interaction like if you it have does. a friend that's into it that can kind of like explain some things to you bring you on the right strikes and raids and get you up to snuff and show you what's going on things that you should be focusing on you're kind of good to go but it does leave you your advice to your devices a little bit so hopping in as an yeah. individual player it can be really overwhelming and even with me and having you I felt that I felt that burn when I got in there. I was like, ah, fuck. I'm behind. I don't have my gear. I need to grind a bunch of stuff to get to the content that I actually want to play. You haven't even played a raid yet. Is that right? Correct. You are going to lose yourself in this video game because I played enough Destiny 1 and Destiny 2 towards the beginning of it. I think uh, the one thing that I'm underselling on game list so far is the amount of time that I put into Destiny, which is quite literally hundreds of hours. Destiny 1, yeah. I think I had like 200 hours in, and I've got at least 60 into Destiny 2 and the Forsaken expansion, which I played. I grinded my light level up. I played the raids. I did it with six people all on voice comms. It is good gaming, yeah. man. It's it's fun yeah. stuff. If you can sink the time into it that's required to get there, it's great. The issue that I have primarily is I play with four people a lot of times, and you do mm -hmm. need to do a lot of three-person stuff to get to where you need to go, so it kind of alienates a player or makes you yeah. pick and choose, which is really annoying. So it's tough to kind of get to that point with four players, but as an individual, mm -hmm. if you can get on there and get a couple pickup games going and get some groups. And, <sighs> you know... um, I, in what, how many weeks have I played this? Two, three now? Something three. Like I've played this game for about three weeks now. Um, I have uh, checked earlier, 50 hours in it. Um, Impressive. That's yeah, Xenoblade levels of game time. time. Way too much time on this game when I'm needing to like do schoolwork. 
Um, but it's it's so fun. There's always something to do. There's always another goal. Uh, there's always, yeah. like I said, there's always another bar to increase. You dangle the carrot. Uh, literally, they're dangling the carrot. And uh, the story is actually really good. I watched like a three hour catch up. Um, <laughs> so ask me any question about Destiny, and I can tell you. Where's Oryx, probably. bro? Oryx is dead. Damn. Dead. I know. I but killed him. actually, right I killed him now, in the Taken King. Yeah, they the Taken King is a raid that's live right now because oh, they're bringing so back Destiny One raids and they're just like looping them, remastering them, and rotating them in and out each season. Nice. Um, yeah, so the Taken King and Vault of Glass are in Destiny Two right now. Cool. Oh, Vault of Glass yeah. is a classic as well. Yeah, yeah. It's I can't wait to play those one day, but you know, I I need I got to get my fire team. Yeah. It's so Glad hard to convince it. people to get in. And from like a game of the year standpoint, the Witch Queen came out this year. Uh, Endwalker yeah. was my number three game of the year last year, and that's just an expansion to a game that came out ten fucking years ago. So we'll allow it, man. Destiny Two Witch Queen could very easily be your game of the year, depending on where it lands. So are we gonna go over our updated list at the end of our playlist? Yeah, we should, especially okay. with how many changes have really come into it. I think uh, I think yeah. I updated mine, so we're in pretty good shape to do so. You feel mm -hmm. you feel wrapped on Destiny? Yes. Tell people to play it. Play it, people. Play it with me. <laughs> I, I need a fire team. I, I need people to raid with. <laughs> you heard it here first. You can play with Colin himself. Just You, you comment your battle tag, your bungee.net tag. Oh, oh, can I just talk about how crazy my fucking saga of, like, what my destiny account has been through yeah 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 it's so wild like destiny started off i played it on xbox live and then i had to transfer that to a pc account which eventually transferred into a battle.net account because it was owned by activision blizzard for a long time at which point i then had to transfer that account into a steam download of it maybe a couple years ago once it was released from the battle.net launcher and then since then they've updated it to bungee tags so when i started i had to transfer my account one last time i've lost nothing all my stuff from my original destiny 2 playthrough is sitting there mind you obsolete but it survived you can always upgrade hell. it you know that's true. you know they've added a lot of things you can you can upgrade you can craft weapons now you can um uh you oh god there's there's so much that has been added to this game you can transmog now the shaders are no longer one-time use they're infinite use shaders um i don't know why they ever made that a thing in the I first know, place but, but it's cool to um and paint my guy yeah um one thing it it's like one thing i really enjoy about this game is it has probably the best companion app of any video game <laughs> um, you read all your lore on it do, well, yeah, but the companion app, if I'm flying around in space or whatever and I need to pick up some bounties but I don't feel like swinging by the tower, I can just pull up the app and acquire bounties from the app. And mm -hmm. I, there are all sorts of other apps that you can log into and manage your inventory while you're away. It'll t there are apps that will tell you like what's a good roll or what's a bad roll on a gun. Um, there's just so many integrations into this game to make it easier and nice. to, to elevate your play. Hell yeah. I love it. Destiny 2, baby. I've been Play playing it. Disney Dreamlight Valley a lot. A lot. Uh, if you're not sure what this is, this is the... It's somewhere in between Stardew Valley and Animal Crossing starring Disney characters. It's technically free to play, 
but right now it's in early access that you can only access via a Founders Pack, you do get the cheapest Founders Pack for free through Game Pass. So technically free to play, just not really right now. Um, yeah, on Switch game... it's 30 bucks to play. Nice. So yeah, you get the $30 version for free if you play on Game Pass, and that transfers between consoles as well. So in theory, you could claim the Game Pass version of the game, then when it launches free to play, you could cloud save and pick up your $30 worth of stuff on Switch in the future, which is kind of cool. But um, the game is sound. I think a lot of people were worried about this thing being a little bit of a free-to-play train wreck. It's developed by Gameloft, who is a noted... Um, oh, Really? You know, mobile game developer, a little cash hungry for sure. But yeah. so far it's been really, really good. Very few bars of uh like like time gated content outside of, you know, growing crops like you would expect in a standard Animal Crossing game. Uh it hasn't been money hungry or anything like that for me. I by all means, once this thing is free, there's going to be hours and hours of content to enjoy for zero dollars. I've spent zero of my in game dollars so far that they gave me for free. And I've played it for 25 plus hours. It is extremely, extremely fun. It's got the satisfying gameplay loop that you'd expect from an Animal Crossing game where there's, you know, a, a great amount of stuff that you can do on a daily basis and that stuff refreshes as time goes on. But then there's also quite a bit that you can do from like a on-time anytime gameplay perspective as well missions that you can accomplish and stuff like that there's been some bugs and things that they're still kind of working out it is definitely an early access game it got its first big patch today which had some bug fixes i ran into some game breaking not game breaking but like soft lock quest bugs where i picked up an item too early that was required for a quest and then i couldn't complete that quest because i couldn't get the check mark for picking up the item because it was already because it was always in my inventory already in my inventory there's been similar things that people have been running into where like a quest item will drop but it'll drop between furniture and a character's house and they just can't physically <laughs> press the button they can't to, reach like, it pick it up yeah so some nightmarish things like that but overall a very very sound video game um i can't sing its praises enough i feel like i don't have enough to say about it with how much that i like it though um but it was a, it was a gimme for me you guys know I'm a Kingdom Hearts boy. I like my Disney characters. It's just nice hanging out with Donald and Goofy and seeing my seeing my homies do well. You've got Little Mermaid characters in there. You have Moana characters in there. You've got Sword in the Stone characters. They announced at D23 the Toy Story stuff is coming. Scar from Lion King is coming. Wally is in that thing. It is just a really fun and pleasant video game experience in the... The barrier of entry is extremely low if you want to check it out. It's got a lot of features and a lot to do. Just Can you say Wally again? Wally. Wally. Okay. What did, we, what did you hear? I don't know. You said like, you said it, I guess, technically correct, but you made like Wall-E Wall instead e? of Wally. Wally. Wall-E. Wally is in there? You said Wall-E. I think I said Wally is in there. Wally. There's no wrong way to say Wally. Wall-E. Wall-E. Wall-E is the incorrect way to say it. Dreamlight Valley's good. It's on my game of the year list. Spoiler alert. Whoa, really? Spoiler alert. All right. You know what we need to do? We need Mm. to, like, we need to create a uh, game list, like, graphic, to be quite honest. Like, something that we can post up on the YouTube version of this so that people can get a visual aid for where we're at with our game of the year list. We don't have that right now, so we'll do it verbally. Colin, yeah. What's your game of the year? Um. Well, my game of the year has not changed. It is still Elden Ring. 
Elden Ring. Mine is now Xenoblade Chronicles 3 with Pokemon Legends Arceus coming up next. Where are you at for your number two? Uh, also still Horizon Forbidden West. Fair. Very good. Fair. Uh, Elden Ring comes in at number three for me. Where are you at for number three? Uh, a little indie game called Citizen Sleeper. If you missed it, talked about that at length last episode. Uh, for number four and five, I've got Shredder's Revenge, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game, which I adore, and uh, Kirby and the Forgotten Land, which we touched upon a little bit in this episode. Where are you at for four and five? Uh, my four is Destiny 2. Wild. 2017's Destiny 2. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Insane. Uh, and five is Cult of the Lamb. Nice. By Massive Monster. Nice. I'll rattle off the rest of my list, six through ten. Tinykin, then Dreamlight Valley, Live Alive, Switch Sports, and Mario Strikers Battle League. So what did you demote this week, I guess? Uh, the only thing is I didn't have like a full list. I kind of had a couple honorable mentions, basically. And then uh, two of them fell off the end of my list that were sitting in like the seventh and eighth spots. And that's Rogue Legacy 2 and Lego Star Wars are no longer on my list. Okay. Um, so my six through 10, um, six is Lego star Wars. Yep. Seven is Ghostwire Tokyo. Oh, Eight yeah. is strangers of paradise. Nine is dying light Two, And 10 is stray. And this and, week I knocked off yep. the quarry to add Ooh. destiny Two. Ooh, tough time. Any other honorable mentions that you want to throw in there? Um, I, you know, I moved the quarry to honorable mentions. Mm -hmm. Um, Honestly, uh, if you've been keeping up throughout the year, my game of the year list has slowly just shoved things into my honorable mentions. Yeah. Um, so we can go over those more at the end of the year. Yeah, definitely. The only other thing that like uh, I should mention is like I have a couple misses that I really want to throw into mine, like things that I plan on checking out by the end of the year. Uh, Sifu is up at the top of that list for me. I really want to give Sifu some time. They announced that in the direct. Coming out on like Switch, man. Dog shit. It looked like dog <laughs> it shit. It looks so there were a couple, bad. There were a couple beefy-looking ports coming to the Switch. Primarily, um, Sifu looked fucking terrible. Uh, it, takes it Takes Two, two. yeah, mm -hmm. was a really big struggle. And then there was one other one. I can't remember it off the top of my head. That either. just was not looking great. Um, I need to check out Horizon Forbidden West. I do. Uh, I Very owe that good. game. I owe that game some time. Even though I know it's not going to make my game of the year list. That's the lowest on the list. Uh, Stranger it's of Paradise. I can't believe I didn't check it out, but I will. I will. Any You're gonna big need misses a... that you... Ooh, um, my big miss is pro right now is probably Live Alive. Yeah. Um, other games that I haven't played are Pokemon uh, Legends Arceus and yep. Kirby, uh, both of which I probably won't play. I would say at this point, if you've missed Legends Arceus, as much as it pains me, probably scarlet and violet would be their better move yeah um but i don't know i've talked about it a couple times i think on this podcast about like how passionate i am about legends Arceus for what it did for the pokemon series and i just feel bad that most game of the year lists are going to really overshadow that game because i think scarlet and violet are going to come out and be more complete packages but the amount that they're going to take from legends Arceus, the the base that legends built I think is really important to denote in video game history. I think that's going to be a turning point for Pokemon for the future. So I think a lot of the success of Scarlet and Violet will be owed to the gem that is Legends Arceus. We'll see. Yeah. We shall see. All right. We got a little bit more news to cover. We got a couple other things that transpired. But oh, first, 
You want to talk about hardware? We got a couple of hardware reviews. Hardware! Alright, so let's start with the big boy. You've been playing Steam Deck. Motherfucker, Gameless um, got a Steam Deck between the two of us. We have one. Yeah. It's Collins. Gameless What's the got word, a Steam man? Deck. Um, the word is. Oh, it looks oh, like that, me... that fucking thing is big. Hey, look, you can see my camera. Whoa. Oh. Focus. Yeah. I don't know. Um, oh, my video quality is dropping out. Um, That's okay. The word is. I haven't played a single game on it yet. I've had it for like a week. <laughs> what the fuck? Dude. All right. Our sweet announcement. We got a Steam Deck now, but uh, we'll give you full impressions on it next month. Oh, you also got a backbone. I also have a backbone. I have my phone in it right now, so you can kind of see it. Um, cool. So That's your... Oh, I'm gonna... I, saw my, I saw myself in the backbone for a moment. Oh, really? uh, can we oh, talk right. about your fucking background, dude? Can you please do something? Oh, oh it's, a, it's a planet. It's Earth. Come on, man. Um, you got to do better. Look at, look at my fucking background. Oh, Crisis Core nice, Reunion, baby. Oh, wait. You don't have the new iOS update? No, that's going to make my old phone slower. No, bro. Look, the new iOS update. Look, you can grab it. Hold on, watch this. I have a text from my mom. So you, you. Oh. That's so crazy. Look, I got a text from my dad. <laughs> oh, nice. Uh, um, so you, you got the new, the new iOS update where you like touch and hold on the screen. It's got to see my face first. Uh, you touch and hold on the screen, and you can customize your screens. That's my weather screen. That's Corvo. Um, there's one of Allie. Um, and you can customize your screen, have custom widgets and everything. Um, and you can, uh, what is that one? Oh, it's a chipmunk. Um, well, there's so our review like, of iOS 16 out now. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you can customize like the font on the, the clock in and everything. All of those options. And you chose the default earth. Yeah, well, you can't right. see it because the, the camera sucks talk right about now. The but, but the time the time is behind Corvo's head because it oh, automatically recognizes what's in focus. Yeah. What world we're living in. Um How the backbone's actually Ooh, they're clicky. That's pretty nice. I only heard yeah. it for a moment. Now that you're trying. You have to say words at the same time. Okay, okay, here we go. Here we go. You can hear the oh, backbone yeah. clicky right now. This is the X button. These are the face buttons. Yeah, uh, now whisper a little bit no... so it's like ASMR. The D-pad has no click. It's You're very welcome. silent. It's like a, it's this like one's a free. The rest is on OnlyFans. Um, the the slash bumpers, show. The bumpers have a slight click. Very mm. small click that you can barely Ooh. hear. It actually has a trigger that has actual pull on it. It's okay. not like the Raise switch Raise your voice. Triggers. I hate this. It's not like the switch triggers where you, you, it's like a button. This one actually has like a, a pull. You can see the, the whole thing drop. Oh, cool. Kind of like an actual trigger. Um, and then uh, it, it's, it's really great. I, Did you play anything <laughs> on it yet? Yeah. So I, I, played, uh, I played Cult of the Lamb like in my bed uh, on this, playing on my PS5. I actually take this to class and I play Destiny between classes <laughs> um, because... Because I have a break between classes and I can play Destiny on the go on this. Listen, save some pussy for the rest of us, bro. <laughs> Dude, it's wonderful. <laughs> I I want to give you guys a quick size comparison between these three three things first. So here's the OLED switch. 
you know most people here know how big a switch is audio listeners subscribe on youtube (laughs) yeah so here is oh very comparable backbone and switch yeah this is the backbone with the iphone 13 pro max oh that's Um, a big phone yeah it's a big phone um but it's it's about the same size and then (laughs) if we take our switch and compare it to the steam deck this is where things get a little crazy because here's the OLED switch. Oh, yeah. And here's the Steam Deck. That's uh, a beef boy. A, a massive beefy boy. Hey, look, you can see Jake twice. Three times right now on screen. Pretty good. This is an exclusive. Um, but yeah, so I haven't played anything on the Steam Deck yet. Most of that comes down to the fact that I am really busy in school. Mm-hmm. And I, in any free time that I get, I've been playing uh, Destiny. Um, we'll get there. So... I will get to it. I'm I'm researching right now how to dual boot Windows 10 on it so I can play Destiny on it because Destiny is currently not supported on the Steam Deck because uh, you to to use so the Steam Deck is run on a Linux based uh, operating system, mm-hmm. um, which if you don't know what Linux is, it's pretty much you've got Mac, Windows, and Linux. Linux this is Linux, the one that This Linux like. explanation brought to you by the individual who didn't know what MS-DOS was last month. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this it's, is a very bad explanation of Linux, but it's pretty much just a different operating system for yeah. PCs. Um, so the Steam Deck is built on Linux, and it has like the Steam interface that is all built on Linux. So there's a program or like a software in the background called Proton that you can use to play Windows games on a Steam Deck. So that's how like all your Steam games, not all of them, but how most of them are compatible with the Steam Deck. Um, having that program in between to buffer it to make things work, uh, it actually opens up like a loophole where if you wanted to... Uh, exploit things you could so a lot of multiplayer games aren't going to support steam deck right now until they have native linux support because people could exploit it and hack things and in a competitive multiplayer game you don't want that um so if i played i could play destiny 2 on this without I, i could use a workaround and play it without installing windows but then my Destiny account would get banned. So I'm working yeah. on dual booting, dual booting Windows 11 just so I can have Destiny 2 installed so I can play Destiny 2 on my Steam. The dedication, and that's why Destiny 2 is on this game of the year list. Yeah, and that's also why I haven't played that much is because I want to tinker around with that. I want to add some emulators yeah. in there, um, and I just want to play with it. Makes sense to me. The uh, yeah. Mine pale in comparison to Colin's sweet new $1,000 worth of toys, but uh, I grabbed... The Hori Switch Pad Pro. Oh my god, I don't know the name of it. Split the Hori Split Pro. Pad Pro. Yes, so it's these two little things that replace your Joy-Cons on a handheld Switch. And I grabbed them when I was playing Xenoblade Chronicles. I was traveling and playing in handheld mode only. And the Joy-Cons are fucking tiny. Uncomfortable. Sure. Yeah, and this basically gives you like a pro controller feel on your handheld. And I was pleasantly surprised at the quality. These things retail for 50 bucks. They are lighter than even a Joy-Con. They don't have the rumble or the gyro option on them, so it's just for like really traditional gaming. But for something mm. like Xenoblade for like an RPG, they are absolutely essential. It really changed the game for me. It definitely extends the size of the Switch in handheld mode. But if you're looking for something a little bit more comfortable, can't recommend them enough. They really were uh, 
absolutely incredible if nothing if not just for like the buttons and the triggers and how it feels in your hands uh upgrading your control sticks is really what it comes down mm. to you got a really small radius on the uh actual joy con and having like yeah. a full thumbstick made a big difference see i really like rumble in my hardware yeah so but when like you're on what, handheld well yeah i do and you know the backbone actually uses the haptics in your phone oh that's smart rumble. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what made you go with like the split pad above like a satisfied grip? Was it just because you could walk into a store and grab it while you're on vacation? Or? Yeah, I just looked up reviews and it seemed like the split pad was like the authority in these things. Um okay. reasonably priced, fifty bucks is the right call for how much money I was willing to like spend on just like a standard little controller setup. And I ended up being like really satisfied with them. Really solid. Yeah, nice. And the ones that I got has like the they're black with like little like red accoutrement, but they also the black is like slightly see-through, like the old like Nintendo sixty-four mm. style like Fantastic controllers, which is always a nice touch for your Nintendo product, like the atomic purple fucking Game Boy color and all that. The glacier. You know, Game I Boy had. Advance. I had on the PS2. I had a, a transparent blue PS2 controller, mm -hmm. uh, and I adored it. And when they released it, they released a transparent blue for the PS4, and mm -hmm. I bought it never even used it i just looked at it and i, I wonder do we it. have the same one is it the 500 million ps4 controller oh no no mine's mine's like a like a royal blue transparent kind of it um, might be the same one double check that it's not the 500 million edition because there was like a special edition ps4 that came out that was like a translucent blue see-through a really nice blue and then there was a matching controller that came out for it too and they both ended up being really limited i think that controller is worth like a hundred bucks alone and it's the one that i use primarily for my ps4 um and i adore it it's like the coolest color controller that i've ever seen oh no mine's mine's lighter than this one got it um got it. yeah i know which one i know yeah i've seen this one it's a really nice controller yeah i love that um thing. I still have yeah. it kicking around here somewhere. It gets used never, but nonetheless. Yeah, I haven't touched mine. All right, so outside of the conferences, there was plenty of news that happened over the past couple months, and we obviously covered all the conferences so far, but there are, I would say, two big things that we want to talk about real briefly that I think are worth noting. The first one is I want to talk about the fucking Embracer group, dude. Wild. Wild. Insane. These guys are insane every time we talk about them it's a new acquisition so what i did is i just like went and i wrote some notes a lot of this is going to be me kind of reading off like a little notepad that i made but basically the news is is that in the last month embracer acquired bitwave Syntrix, geotech tatsujin limited run games yeah that company tripwire tuxedo labs and middle earth enterprises now middle earth enterprises owns the rights to lord of the rings the books doesn't own the rights to the existing adaptions of Lord of the Rings. They didn't buy the Amazon Lord of the Rings show. They didn't buy the Peter Jackson movies. They bought the rights to adapt the Lord of the Ring books in the future to mixed media, whether that's games, movies, memorabilia, Funko Pops, you fucking name it. So Embracer Group, just a little trip down memory lane. These guys uh, kicked off by acquiring Nordic back in the day which immediately after that they bought up at dirt cheap the rights to thq so in that little bundle they created like a small gaming company that had a little bit of brand notoriety so they became thq nordic the next thing that they grabbed was koch cock media koch media which um is now play like on 
P-L-A-I-O-N, Playon Games. They just recently rebranded. Uh, they grabbed Deep Silver at the same time. So all of a sudden, these guys now own Dead Island, Saints Row, Homefront, Red Faction. They grabbed separately the rights to Kingdoms of Amalore and Time Splitters. They're working on a new Time Splitters game now as we speak. Uh, they published and they developed Goat Simulator, Valheim, Biomutant, Destroy All Humans, Wreckfest, Hot Wheels, World War Z, Evil Dead. They're working on Warhammer 40k, Space Marine 2, Deep Rock Galactic, which is still pretty popular and still being developed. In the last year, they've acquired Gearbox, uh, 4A Games, and their Metro IP. And most recently, we talked about them on Game List. They grabbed Crystal Dynamics, Eidos Montreal, and Square Enix Montreal off the hands, again, at dirt cheap from Square Enix proper. So they grabbed Tomb Raider, Thief, Legacy of Kane, Deus Ex. These motherfuckers have asserted themselves as a absolute unit. We saw the Koch Media conference this past year where they showed off a couple games that was not very impressive. What I yeah. really want to talk about in this is that I don't know if it's next year or the year after, but Embracer is poised to be the next gigantic third-party developer. It is going to be EA, Ubisoft, and Embracer Group is basically what it's become now. They have grabbed enough, they have enough talent at the studios that they've picked up, and they've grabbed enough, they've grabbed up like enough IP and recognizable IP that they're going to be able to start combining all these forces and reallocating people after they finish up their products to become an absolute force in the video game industry via yeah. brute force. They have just absolutely gone bonkers in the things that they have picked up especially with activision kind of taking their hat out of the ring and probably being acquired by microsoft if that goes through it takes one of the big third-party players out and it opens up the window i think embracer group is here to stay man they've i think i feel like they've finally they've grabbed all of the infinity gems now they just placed that last one into the spot with lord of the rings and now by the time that they are looking at like their 2025 event they're going to have some shit to show off. It is wild. Wild. I mean, you do a new Lord of the Rings game and you tack that on top of the reboots of Deus Ex, Tomb Raider. You throw in, you know, who, who knows? Maybe a new Hot Wheels game. Snag yourself the launch of Warhammer 40k Space Marine 2. Get Red Faction back on track. You got a conference, baby. It's a lot. It's It's a whole lot. Um... Wild. I'm curious to see how many sales Saints Row has had. Uh, oh, probably not. Yeah, many. I, I bet. I bet they've got a number of sales that they are not disclosing because of what that number is. Mm-hmm. That's what I was. <laughs> That's thinking. I was just looking it up, and I've not seen any numbers on it yet. Yeah. Um. So hopefully they can get some big hits. I mean, I'm definitely more down for third party acquisitions than I am for first party acquisitions. Um, just because you know. If it's third party, it's going to be pretty much everywhere. Just give which them, I give always them some think more. Is the best. Give them some more time. Give them some more. Uh, yeah. Power They'll under get their there. belt to create some. They have the money games. to get there, so they we just got to give them certainly time. do. That is that is yeah. certain. Uh, we mentioned briefly Microsoft Activision. I just think it's worth bringing up the petty squabbling that's taking place over the last <laughs> couple of days. The fucking online flame war between Jim Ryan and Phil Spencer. I guess the short version of it. What do you, what do you make of all of this? Petty. Does it make um, sense? I, uh, I understand why Jim Ryan... Okay, to lay the groundwork, Jim Ryan pretty much said, if Jim Ryan came out and said, okay, talk to Xbox. Xbox says we only have Call of Duty for three more years. 
um, and then it's all going to be a Xbox exclusive. And he said, that's not fair. That's going to give them an unfair advantage, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Phil Spencer said, no, we didn't say that. What does it matter? Look at all the exclusives you have, pretty mm-hmm. much. Um, I think Jim Ryan has a point in what he's saying, but I think it's so hypocritical for him to say that when PlayStation is literally known for their exclusives. Like This is the war of of about 2027 or 2028's Call of Duty. So the way that it stands right now is Call of Duty existing contract with PlayStation is three games. They're counting Modern Warfare 2 and Warzone 2, which both come out this year. Then there's the rumored unbelievable year off from Call of Duty that's happening next year, which is all but yep. confirmed, where mm-hmm. they say we can support Modern Warfare 2 and we can support Warzone 2 for an extra full calendar year, and then in 2024, you'll get a new mainline Call of Duty come October, November like they usually do. That would be the end of the exclusive deal, or not the exclusive deal, of the deal that they have on the table with Sony. What Phil Spencer offered Jim Ryan publicly was three additional years of Call of Duty on PlayStation, which would certify them for 2025, 2026, and 2027, assuming they continue to do this sequentially. At which point, the 2028 and forward Call of Duties will become Microsoft exclusives. And this is not counting the fact that, likely, if all of this went through, immediately all Call of Duties that are existing and playable on Xbox consoles or PC would initially hit Game Pass and hit Game Pass on day and date as well. So yeah. Jim Ryan threw his hands up in the air and said, that's not fair, which that's not fair, uh, it's a bad Jim Ryan impression. And I apologize to him, Jim Ryan, friend of the show. Uh, bro, if Jim listens to this show, Jim, you know I'm a PlayStation guy, but I can't defend you on this. Like, no, it's pay up, man. Pay up, man. That's how exclusives work. I mean, you're not over here putting Last of Us on there, and I get you know, it. It's a third-party acquisition. You don't want to see a big franchise go. I understand, but it's no different than what they've all been. They've been doing the same thing. I mean, Microsoft didn't throw a fucking hissy fit about Destiny. You know, they're they're okay. Well, you think I mean, Destiny Three comes out and it's on all platforms. I sure as fuck don't. I think so. I think it is. Really? Um, I think so. Yeah. Um, but but my thing is like. All PlayStation has to do is like PlayStation has the ability. They are so good at making new IP and making that new IP a household name. Yeah. If they're working on the the if they're fighting for 2027, 2028, put a FPS shooter into development, give it that Sony first party touch. You've got a you've got a new like flagship shooter. Like yeah, of course. they have the ability to take down Call of Duty. Yeah. It's ridiculous and the fact that it's happening in a public forum has just been honestly laughable yeah all right we've got the longest game list of all time running right now let's talk about what is on the horizon for us it is september so for playstation plus you can go grab need for speed heat toem or grand blue fantasy you ever play toem it's like a black and white game where you take pictures of stuff i haven't but i've heard it's great yeah, it's really cool. I only played a couple minutes of it, or I actually didn't even play it myself. I watched a friend play it. Seems really rad. Worth grabbing. Does for the free. world become more colorful as you take pictures? No, I believe that game is black and white all the way through. Oh, uh, okay. Then we have the shit show at the fuck factory. Games with gold. <laughs> um, nothing much to mention here as usual, but it is worth mentioning that this is the last time that Xbox 360 will get support, and they give you a doozy to go out with. Portal 2. Yeah. Portal 2 is that's on fair. There. That's a that's a good game. That's the first good game they've had in two years. Yeah, yeah. 
Absolutely. Um, outside of that, Thrillville on the original Xbox, which is backwards compatible. Uh, Double Kick Heroes and Gods Will Fall, maybe? Uh, who cares? Again, Dude, I don't know. Very I feel like Gods Will Fall is a VR game, but there's no way it's a VR game. Not on Xbox. it's right? on Xbox. Not happening. And then we have releases for the rest of the month. Today is the 15th of September, and there are two decently sized games that came out today. Metal Hellsinger, which is the rhythm-based action shooter that is... I don't know. It's really interesting. I'm going to play this game. I don't like metal music at all, but I love rhythm games. I was interested when I saw this thing played last time. Do you have any thoughts on Metal Hellsinger? I'm also not a metal guy, but I do like Doom. Um... And it's, and it's literally on, just Doom with music. It's on Game Pass. I do not have Game Pass. You're a fool. Best deal and best value in gaming. I know. Uh, Outer Wilds came out today. Highly recommended. You need not hear us talk about Outer Wilds and how much we love it any longer. We have the game list spoil list up on YouTube and in your podcast app if you so desire to hear our thoughts on that game. It is as good as it fucking gets. A perfect video game. Go play it. Immediately. 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 Right now. Coming out on September 19th is Return to Monkey Island. If you have criticism, make it about something other than the art style. That is subjective. I think the art style is great. Yeah, I mean, some people like it, some people hate it. It seems to be the only thing that people want to talk about. Uh, Do you ever play the original Slime Rancher? I have not. People say it's one of the most relaxing and lovely games ever created. I What'd played I it for like 15 minutes and I didn't agree. But uh, the sequel comes out That's on fair. the 22nd and you can play it on Game Pass or on other consoles for money, which is pretty rad. Money! Speaking of Square Enix pumping out video games, they've got a pair of them for you. Dio Field Chronicle, which has a demo available now, is coming out on the 22nd. And then a pretty interesting one, which is Valkyrie Elysium comes out on the 29th and Valkyrie Elysium is a sequel to Valkyrie Profile. Valkyrie Profile Lenith is a remake of Valkyrie Profile that came out for either the PSP or the PS Vita. That game is also being ported to consoles and is available separately or in the deluxe edition of Valkyrie Elysium. So the pair of those come out on September 29th. I think I might just pick up Valkyrie Profile Lenith and give it a go. It seems up my alley. I'm thinking about picking up Valkyrie or Elysium, but if I'm being honest with you, I think I'm probably going to be behind on games until December because I'm going to be it playing does. Destiny. It does feel so, that way. Uh, also um, on the 29th is Moonbreaker. What were you going to say? Uh, no, I, I forgot that Moonbreaker was coming out this month. Yeah. I'll, I'll continue yep. after we... Moonbreaker, uh, last game of the month. No big deal for Colin and I, but for a lot of gamers out there, the biggest game of the year, uh, FIFA 23, comes out on September 30th. Yeah. Wild. Um, I did forget to mention and put in like uh, our thing to talk about this episode. Uh, I played the Forza Horizon 5 Hot Wheels DLC. Oh, nice. Yeah, I played a little bit of it that as well. It is so good. It is it's fun. I was surprised good. at how much they added to that game. It's got like a whole yeah. like gravity system that was implemented and the whole yeah. thing takes place above the Horizon Island. It was a pretty mm-hmm. impressive little package. Um, Very good. You should play more of it. Yeah, I think I will. I played just a couple races. I played it on cloud gaming while I was gone because I had my laptop and a controller that I could use for it, and it didn't run that great, and I thought to myself, you know what? When I come home, I'm going to actually play this fucker for real, Uh, and I haven't done it yet, but I bet that's going to look fantastic in 4K as well. It does. It looks wonderful on my OLED. Yeah, 
Yeah, Forza Horizon 5. Celebrating 10 years of Forza today, by the way. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, there's new DLC coming out for it. A little bit. So, all right. We got some stuff coming up, that's for sure. Uh, Today kicked off Tokyo Game Show. Spoiler alert. We already had an action-packed episode, so we left out the announcements from today. There was already a Capcom presentation and a Microsoft presentation. There's uh, some pretty cool stuff that we'll cover for news next time. Deathloop is hitting Game Pass on September 20th. Uh, With an update, an extended ending, thank God, because that ending was the worst part of the game. Yeah, pretty cool. There's uh, a couple other games coming to Game Pass as well, including Assassin's Creed Odyssey, which is pretty big. Uh, Capcom announced a Resident Evil event for next month, and they also showed off a lot of Street Fighter. They announced Ken. They announced E-Honda. Do you know who Ken is? Is he from Smash Bros? Yeah. He's from Street Fighter. He's a guy he's from the, Smash Bros. Dude. He's the blonde babe from Street Fighter. He's the... Ryu's like rival. He wears red. Ryu wears white. He's got blonde hair. They fight. Hadoken. Is he the guy that is the boxer? No, that's Lil Mac. That's Lil, Lil Mac. Mac's the boxer. Ken's a karate fighter. Lil Mac is from Punch Out, right? Lil Mac is from Punch Out. You know who Dalsim yeah. is? No. Yoga Flame. Uh, the stretchy arms. Yoga Flame. Okay, okay. E Honda? Thousand thousand hand slap? Nope. I do not know that. Okay. Do you know who Blanca is? Is it a girl? No. It's a green monster man with orange hair. Really? You've seen him. You're kidding. Google Blanca right now. Blanca is a girl's name. Blanca is a green monster's name. Blanca Street. Is it B L O N C A? B L A N K A. Blanca. Blanca. B L A N K A. Uh, oh yeah, he was in Fortnite. It's a guy from oh, Fortnite. Oh my fucking god! And that's gonna do it for game list. I'm Jake Twitching, like Twitching without the G on all social media platforms: Instagram, everywhere, Twitter, primarily YouTube. I've been posting all my vods there, and they've been doing pretty well. Uh, yeah. All my reactions and whatnot as well, uh, and Twitch, which is where I'm primarily hanging out. Colin, give me your plugs. Uh, I am Colleen underscore pretty much everywhere. K-A-U-L-I-N-E. Uh, Hell come yeah. check me out. I post not funny things on Twitter. I post wow. my opinions on Twitter. That's what, what Twitter's a, for, right? What a sell. Uh, and we are Gameless Show on all platforms as well. For our sign-off this week, Colleen is going to make the sound that he thinks Blanca makes. Ready, set, go. Oh yeah. Not bad.